good. That's awesome. Who actually like get this drink? So like, my question is, do we talk about like the big news or do we just leave that? Which big? Do we dangle news? that? Well, Christy's big news. Oh yeah. She's... Well, how about we 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 talk about it in a self-contained way and then we ask her if it's okay to talk about it or not? If it's we okay to clue. We can do that. But that's uh that's in a preamble, I think. I think we did pretty good there with thirty seconds of preamble. Yeah, so Welcome to episode 107 of Dance Robot Dance, everybody. I'm here. I'm Mark. And I'm here with, uh, well, not Christy and uh, not Paul, but God damn it, Tim is here. Tim is here. And we're going to hold this shit down this week again. So say hello, Tim. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. So how's it going this week there, uh, one-on-one Dance Robot Dance partner again? It was a busy week. My uh, my industry's like biggest show in the U.S. was this week. So I was in Chicago all week for that. And uh those are really, really hectic, but I had a lot of fun, and, uh, and now nice. I'm back. Chicago treated you well. It's a nice, stiff fun city. I always like Chicago. Chicago was a good time. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love Chicago. This is my third time being there, and I went to like two places that I go every time. I went to, uh, if you're ever in Chicago, go to Three Dots and a Dash, which is an amazing fucking tiki bar, one of the best tiki bars I've ever been to. And there's a place not far away from that it, within the loop called Pierogi Heaven that has absolutely a fucking outstanding oh, Polish nice. food. Next time I'm down there, I'll have to give it a shot. We talked about like this year being because of the Seattle trip, like with Pearl Jam doing those shows. They did Wrigley's last time and my sister went and I was like, when they announced this set of them, we were like, ooh, do we do Wrigley's again? Do we do Boston or do we do the hometown shows? And I was like, yeah, I mean, like Boston and Chicago are way easier to get to than Seattle is. But I mean, going to a hometown show is kind of like a no brainer if you have the opportunity. So I was like, fuck it, let's. Let's go all out and go to Seattle. Speaking of concerts and like 90s music, Lollapalooza was starting like the day that I left. Oh, here. was it? Was anybody good playing Lollapalooza this year? I didn't even see anything. Usually I don't. I didn't. I hardly looked, but it's I think it's a lot younger lineup and stuff now. Like there are some festivals that have like kept on skewing to our generation kind of thing. But then I think Lollapalooza is like constantly trying to go for younger artists. Let me see. What's the lineup look like this year? Oh no, Arctic Monkeys. Well, they just put a record out though. So. Uh, Travis Scott, Kelly Church's headline on uh, on Thursday. Bruno Mars, The National, but there's also like Post Malone and Tyler the Creator and The Weekend, Vampire Weekend, Saint Vincent. Wow, that's actually pretty solid. Jack White is headlining I missed, tomorrow. I just missed Saint Vincent in Toronto on the 31st. She was here. I'd like to see her. I think she put on a really good show. Her, she puts on an excellent show. I just, I keep. She just keeps touring when like everything's chaotic and like i can't seem to like line up to get to one of the shows so yeah when next time she comes around i'm gonna make a point yeah. or they they come around i'm gonna make a point to get there this week was just like it's a little much going to an, an extra con i'd already gone to a concert this week and i was like mm, do i want to run into the city in the middle of the week when yeah. i have to go to work and stuff no probably not so i kind of yeah whatever but yeah. you know pearl james this week so what are you gonna do all right, let's uh, let's break yeah. into the news. There is a little bit of stuff we can cover. I can't remember exactly what we talked about last week in terms of the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. There is a lot. There's also there a lot, so but much. I can't remember how far along in the Guardians of the Galaxy story we got before the, when the episode went out. Did we talk about the open letter? No, from the cast that had not been released when we recorded okay. last week. So collectively, the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy put out an open letter asking for Disney to reconsider their decision regarding James Gunn's dismissal. The word on the street is that it's not looking good. Like they're not super keen on like the, the idea of bringing them back. But like that cast yeah. has like everybody from the cast signed it from Chris Pratt through Batista through every like everybody's on there. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with that, but it has been that that story has been has got legs. Like that one keeps going. So we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, and it's weird. I mean, if you look at like the most analogous comparison being like the Roseanne thing, most of the Roseanne stars weren't like, oh my God, Roseanne's an amazing person in real life. You know, it's not, you know, but whereas in this case, like everybody there is like, and almost everybody I've heard of has been like, yeah, this is too much. And it's really just fucking, I just, I hate that this is like some fucking alt-right douchebag that's got his way and... Uh, just fucking gets my goat yeah me too actually it's it's definitely gotten my uh my attention way more so than it probably would have otherwise yeah. so uh, especially when the whole cast comes out and is like in support of you like i don't know people talk about chris pratt all you want but like everybody else on that cast seems like yeah none of them have had any weird issues you know what i mean recently so like they all seem like decent people and, yeah like, and you look at you look at that cast as well like there's there it's not like they're all like fucking like far left like progressive libtards or whatever the fuck you want to call them kind of thing like like look at like bradley cooper yeah call us i guess really we're yeah part of that but like part. look at bradley cooper he was in that the movie that was basically about like the military sharpshooter that was basically like fucking right like right-wing mm. military propaganda so he's obviously not like bleeding heart liberal kind of guy was that american sniper was that the one he was in yeah i think so i think it was american sniper okay so yeah absolutely like they're they're that cast and like i know i can't imagine batista like he's a pro wrestler so like i can't imagine him being like yeah, whatever. like super so, progressive or whatever. Yeah. yeah, super progressive or whatever. Usually those guys, even The Rock's a Republican, I guess. So, yeah, uh, my only slight against the man <laughs> identifies as Republican. So. Well, he's rich, so very rich, very, very rich. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on. The other there was another public acknowledgement from castmates going out. Mark Hamill has publicly acknowledged that oh. filming so nine without Carrie Fisher was not the fun experience that the other movies had been yeah. without her. So that was sad. They didn't even have that much together in episode eight, but I guess still just like having her presence surrounding the production kind of thing. And, and who knows? I mean, it's not like Mark Hamill's doing a whole lot of other stuff right now. So maybe he was hanging around on set, you know, when, even when he wasn't shooting kind of thing. And him and Fisher possible. were just like shooting the shit. That would have been so much fun to see. I wonder if, well, I wonder if we'll get to see some of that stuff on like special features on those uh, Blu-rays or whatever. I, I haven't gotten the Blu-rays for episode seven or episode yeah, no, eight. No, neither have I. Part of me would really like to see that. And part of me would just be like, let them have their privacy. Like they've known each other for yeah, however long, like just let them have their little, I'm sure they had their own time to just kind of like shoot the shit when they did get together on set. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So. yeah. Can you imagine knowing somebody for that long, like working together that long. And then just like, yeah. as you were going to work with them again, they weren't there. That would suck hard. Yeah. That, that was, that was pretty sad. That announcement. Yeah. Or that, so that, that bummed me out. Yeah. So there was an update this week. Matt Reeves put out an update on his on where things were going. <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about this with the Batman. We have to talk about <laughs> it. It's the Batman. Yeah, but for a while we were uh, like, all right, another piece of news that doesn't really say anything about this. But now it's been a few months. So it has been a few months. And it's not like this actually says anything <laughs> in particular. Yeah. Aside from like, maybe Ben Affleck is going to be there, but nobody really actually knows right now. Yeah. But he has turned in a script, which he also he tossed out Ben Affleck's script that had been written like a couple like last year, I guess. And they are hoping to start filming in spring or summer of next year. Mm -hmm. So they're like they have plans and they are ready to go. He says it's going to be a very point of view, noir driven, definitive Batman story, which I will fucking believe when I see because. But not year one. Yeah, but not year one, which is great because I don't we you can't do the year one with a, a Batman that fucking old like. I don't yeah, want to yeah. see that. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. So just let him be like, you know, established Batman. And let's just tell a story with an established Batman as opposed to like, we need yeah. to find out how he became Batman for the seventh time in our lifetime. It's yeah. like, no, 
And that's that's my feeling on the majority of comic book uh, franchises now is I just want experience stories. I don't want a whole bunch of origin stories. Like once yeah. in a while is okay. Or like, hey, here's a team story and we're going to introduce one new character in it. So you'll get a little bit of origin on them kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like just, just backdoor pilot in any new characters at this point. Because there's not any other like really big characters with the exception of maybe if the Fox stuff starts coming across. But we've had enough fucking origin stories for them too. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to handle like the I mean, yeah, we can talk about that. But like because there is a little a little tidbit about the Disney Fox merger this week. But like I don't need any more origin stories for any of these characters and especially a character like Batman or Superman or like somebody who's super iconic. Like Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, like yeah. I don't need a Spider-Man origin. Like yeah. it would be nice to get a properly done Weapon X story inside the MCU eventually because if you're going to introduce Wolverine, you know, he's still going to be. He's still Wolverine, so like, yeah. if you're gonna reintroduce him, yeah, reintroduce him properly. But maybe don't dedicate a whole fucking movie to how he got the claws and stuff. Just mm-hmm. you know, pull a Grant Morrison and like just blast through it in eight panels, and then let's get to a real story as opposed yeah. to whatever you're gonna do. Like, yeah, absolutely. I don't need to know everything about it, so I'm all for it. Like, I, I mean, a new Batman movie is a new Batman movie. Obviously, <laughs> all of us are gonna fucking show up and like see the stupid thing, but. Yeah. If it ever actually happens at this point, who the fuck knows? <laughs> uh, all right. So it's kind of kind of lightning round. So co- the Constantine animated series that CWC'd, uh, they had put out five episodes earlier this year. They are getting a 90 minute animated movie sequel that it will be coming up this year, which is pretty cool because it just means like, I don't know who at DC is this big a John Constantine <laughs> fan. Like, but whoever it is, I, I love him yes. to death for being that person. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I don't know why they keep greenlighting these projects when they never seem to succeed, but like they just keep greenlighting them, hoping that eventually Constantine will stick. And I'm so fucking happy yeah. about that because I want Constantine. <laughs> like I want other Constantine, you know? So I think what hap- what needs to happen is they need to like wait until Supernatural finally dies and then replace it with Constantine. Because there, there's going to be so many. That is what I've been saying for a year. Yeah, there's going to be so many people that you know are like, "Oh my god, there's no more supernatural. What am I going to do?" They're like, "Here you go, supernatural fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, have exactly. have this guy. This is- have this guy that's like that's like supernatural, but an English dick. Yeah, and like <laughs> the best English dick. Also, yeah. like amazing. <laughs> and the funny part about that is like when they introduced the angel character Castiel to supernatural, they put him in the Constantine outfit because they actually wanted to have a Constantine-esque character in the show. They mm. obviously changed it so that he was an angel and stuff. But like the whole point of it was, we want Constantine on the show because Constantine actually makes sense in that universe yeah. in a lot of weird ways, even though it isn't the DC universe. Well, Constantine's never really been like central to the DC no, universe. He is in a couple stories, but for the most part, he's on that like magical underworld periphery kind of thing. Yeah, he's, he's very much a Vertigo guy, which is yeah. exactly where I want him to be and exactly where he belongs. But... In the Supernatural universe, I could see him fitting in really well. But at the same time, if you're going to just like, yes, Supernatural is finally going to end after I believe 14 <laughs> seasons we're coming up on. If they're going to like try and ease us out of 14 years of Supernatural, it would be really great for somebody like me to have a Constantine show to latch onto in the in that aftermath. So here's fucking hope. Yeah, Constantine's ongoing series just uh, finished up. It just had its 24th issue, which was its last. So I'm not sure what their plans are for him going forward. I'm not sure if they're bringing him back over to Vertigo or what. Oh man, they I, that would be Although he is that would be the He is in Justice aspect. League Dark, which yeah. just started. So there's a Justice League Dark comic that just started. Oh, uh, another one? They've got like 
that's their third one so far since the 52 reboot, isn't it? Uh, I think it's just the second Justice League. I thought it was, I thought it was yeah. the third volume of it. But. No, but it's got Detective Chimp, who I fucking love. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because one of my favorite weird Marvel comic characters just showed back up with his own book now. So Devil Dinosaur has got a, uh, oh, got yeah. a comic again. I'm like, why the fuck does Devil <laughs> Dinosaur have a book again? It's so weird. But I guess if they're <laughs> pulling Detective Chimp out for Justice League Dark, why the fuck not bring Devil Dinosaur back on Marvel's side? So yeah it's just such a like fun character just this like little belligerent detective drunken monkey or drunken chimpanzee (laughs) yep oh yeah i know that's it's so funny i love it like that's the one thing i like about comics you can't do in the movies i mean i guess they kind of have because they've done rocket like rockets actually like a character that people don't love yeah so like how far away are we from like a devil dinosaur or detective chimp being part of a movie that we're gonna all see could you imagine what a goddamn world we live in. I would love a Justice League dark live action movie. That'd be so much oh, absolutely. fun. Even if they were going to recast Constantine and make it Ewan McGregor, I'd still take that fucking movie. Like, just 100%. Just just don't make it Keanu. I think I think they're a little bit past the Keanu stage of, like, doing Constantine. I think if they're going to do it, they're <laughs> going to get an English guy to play him properly. I'd just be curious who they're going to cast as Zatanna across from him. Like, that's the big... I think if you're going to do Justice League dark, those two characters yeah. are kind of the central point to the whole thing. And who do you pick there? Well, I guess yeah. Dead Man would be pretty cool to have in there too. But I mean, like, if you're gonna have like a, a pair that are like the center of the fucking team, it's gonna be Zatanna and John. So Yeah, because they've got history together and lots yeah. of awesome history together to cover. So last piece, and this is just a little fun one. The CW Supergirls, their Earth's American government continues to make the one that it is in our reality pale in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> So they've added Vice President Brent Lieutenant Commander Data Spiner to the cast for next year, who will be serving under President Linda OG Still Looks Amazing Wonder Woman Carter. Uh, So their (laughs) President and VP team just make me jealous to live in Supergirl Earth, whatever Earth that happens to be. (laughs) Yeah, I did see that. From what I've heard, maybe this is just rumor, but I've heard Brent Spiner's kind of a dick to work with, though. Like, he can be an asshole. I don't know. I've, I've watched his YouTube show where he's like, but I'm Brent Spiner or whatever the fuck that show was. And I could see how he would yeah. be a little difficult, but I don't know. Yeah. He's still Brent Spiner. Like when I watch him, I'm still like, ah, I like him. He's good. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. He's always, he's always fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, that was it for the news. I mean, Infinity War did come out for digital download and physical releases, you know, a couple weeks away. So you can go and rewatch Infinity War 500,000 times like I'm probably going to do in the next yeah. couple weeks <laughs> um, and look for Easter eggs and stuff. So get out there and do that. Go watch Infinity War again. Holds up real nice. Holds up real nice for the eighth watch through. I can tell you that much. <laughs> the only other thing I had was the going back to Lord of the Rings world. That Amazon series got uh, a pair of writers. Oh, did it? I didn't see that at all. Yeah. It, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, who were the writers for the upcoming Star Trek Four. They also did the script for the Jungle Cruise mu- movie with With Your Rock. That's uh, yeah. coming out. That's got uh, Emily Blunt in it too, I think. Like that's is that what the yeah. one, the one that they're they're in together? They were doing YouTube stuff, this yep. Week, yep. being goofy together on set or something like that. So yeah, so I mean, obviously, still early days for that, but they put out a little statement that said, like, sort of, you know, they're really excited to be working with it, kind of thing, and yeah. So I don't know. I've, I mean, obviously, it's hard to judge because the two biggest projects that they've done have not been released yet, but we'll see where that goes. Oh, and then there was uh, another series that's getting a reboot that Christy's going to be really excited about, which is Alf. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Christy got big news this week and then got uh, even bigger news in that Alf is being revived. So on the same day, I couldn't fucking believe it was (laughs) 
<laughs> goddamn day. That timing was perfect. The timing so, was mind-boggling. Yeah. So we may end up cutting this out depending on if Christy wants us to uh, talk about it on the podcast or not. But she, her like personal Facebook is already linked to our like yeah. Facebook page already. But so uh, Christy and other Mark got engaged this week in Calgary. Yeah. 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 Congratulations, so congratulations to, the to the two of them. It's about fucking time. Yep. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you're especially if you're us and you've been listening to Christy tell that fucking story, and it's definitely <laughs> long, well past time. According yeah. to her, so and then literally not like maybe like six hours later or something like that, this news came out that Elf is getting rebooted, and any longtime listeners of our podcast knows how Christy feels about Elf and his giant mouth, and I feel like we uh, we sullied her engagement day with that news. <laughs> Don't say we, motherfucker. You posted that shit. That was I, not. I on had me. to. I had to. No, you probably did. And I back you up on that 100%. And it, it's, I, I didn't even support. tag her in it. I could have like actively tagged her in it, but I just posted it. Yeah. And I specifically told our listeners not to tell him. But of course, she found out. And Mark was like, Mark was thrilled that we shared that news. Mark thought it was awesome. Mark <laughs> thought it was fucking hilarious. So there was that. So Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations, you crazy kids. Yeah, I'm sure we'll... Uh, Wedding planning will inevitably take her away from us more frequently <laughs> than she already has been taken away from us. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens we'll need a new, in, the, in the coming. We'll need a new guest host or something. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out a new third chair. <laughs> um, all right. Geek of the Week time. Geek of the Week. I'll just let Tim do his geek, little tag thing. Geek, 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 geek. All right. That's enough. There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's, what's your geekiest thing, Tim? What, what was the geekiest thing you did this week? Uh, well, as I mentioned on last week's episode, sadly, Weekly Comic Store closed down a couple weeks ago. And so I had to go on a mission, a research, fact-finding, information-gathering mission this past week to... Recon mission, yeah, buddy. Recon yeah, mission. Yeah, to uh, figure out my new comic store. So that was my geek of the week, was uh, going around to new comic stores in the area, or not new comic stores, but comic stores that were not my comic store in the area and finding who was going to get my weekly allotment of comic book money for the foreseeable future fucking i would 250 <laughs> bucks a goddamn month i'd if i were a comic book store owner i'd be fucking rock hard just hearing that so yeah so i ended up i went to i just went to a couple because there was some that were like just too far away kind of thing and like i did like email them and be like hey what's your pull list look plan look like and shit like that and they're all pretty comparable like they said for the amount that i spend they would yeah. basically give me like 20 percent off you know all my weekly pulls and like anything else kind of thing that i buy which is what i was getting at my old shop anyways so it ended up basically that's pretty yeah, common now it ended up coming down so the one that i that i ended up choosing i did go to criminal records which is a comic store slash record store and that was really tempting but like they just they don't comics is such a small part of their business that like they do do pull boxes but if there's something that i want that i didn't order ahead of time odds are they're not going to have it kind of thing like they don't keep a lot of a a lot of other stock for new books or if like i get a shit copy that has like a fucked up corner fucked up spine or something like that i can't really go out and be like all right i'm just going to switch it for this other copy that looks better kind of thing which is something I want to do. I like to do because I'm yeah. OCD about my comics. I, yes. So in the end, we know. Yes, in the end, I went to uh, the biggest. My, my personal advice to you is just going to be like, uh, there's an awesome store called Comicsology that you can just, like, <laughs> you know, get everything yeah. digitally, and it always looks awesome, and it's backlit, <laughs> and you can stack. Oh, I don't know. According to my iPad right now, a couple thousand <laughs> issues onto one fucking iPad. I know. With you. 
That's what I'm taking yeah. to Seattle with me. There you go. So yeah, in the end, I went to the comic store that I actually tried first when I came to Atlanta, but it was like nine or so years ago. It's uh, for anybody that's ever been to Atlanta, they probably and is a comics person, they probably have heard of Oxford Comics and Collectibles, which is kind of right in the middle of the city. It's the biggest comic store here, and but they were kind of dicks the first time that I went in there, like back nine or ten years ago, and probably don't know what they missed out on. Yeah, you're like I don't understand how why. <laughs> Like they were assholes to you. You spend like ten thousand dollars a year on comics. It was just like what the fuck. They, I, like they didn't know that I was going in there like looking for a polis kind of thing. Like it's the kind of place that like won't let you bring a bag in with you, which I guess fair enough. Like they don't want yeah. people stealing shit or whatever. But it also just doesn't really make you feel particularly welcome. And they just weren't very like friendly or helpful. And the one thing that fucking pissed me off was back then the way that they stored their new issues. Half of them were like it, it had like little dividers that went up like halfway up the book. And so a bunch of the comics would be fucking folded over those dividers and the creases, the spines just fucking oh. crease to hell. And I was like, no, but they weren't bagging and boarding them ahead of time. No, they don't. Well, they just get so much stock that they can't like they'll bag and board for you. If you have a pull list and you pay like an extra like 10 or 15 cents an issue or something like that, which is reasonable. But like just the raw issues they put on the shelf, they don't bang and board because there's just fucking thousands of them kind of thing every week. So it still sounds fucking awful. To I know me. everything should be bagged and boarded. Fucking savages. I agree. Fucking savages. That's- These things should have boards in them. Yeah. yeah. We should have just done that episode. If she goes missing yeah. next week, we're doing Kevin Smith. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but I went back in this time and they've redone all their shelving and their storage and stuff like that. And it looks a lot better and they're treating their books a lot better now. So I had a better feeling about it. So they got my pull list. Just nice. nice. 15 or so comics a week. So, I almost I almost started a physical pull list this week. I went into my comic store that that's up up the street here. It's also next door to the head shop because I was oh, looking yeah. for a new nail. But anyway, um, so I went in there and they're like, "Oh, do you want to start a pull list?" I'm like, "I do, but I don't like. <laughs> I don't need physical shit in my life anymore. Yeah. Like, I just don't. So I'm just gonna come in here, try and make a point of going in there and like buying goofy shit like or trade or any kind of toys or, or trades every once in a while just to keep." them in business i guess yeah. like it's nice to have one up the street kind of thing even if i'm not using it as like i'm going in there weekly to get my pull list because my pull list just goes to comiXology which makes my life super easy because yeah yeah like i can get my new batman and daredevil issues like right to my ipad without having to think about it so. yeah yeah and if for me it's, it's the sort of thing you know some like I, there's still stuff there is stuff that i read digitally and then i'll i'll you know i'm not gonna like be starting to I'm not going to like start new collections or anything at this point. Like I'm not going to be like, Oh, I should start getting like every single issue of like walking dead or like, you know, a a Marvel book or something that I might start reading. Like I've, I've resigned myself to my collection, you know, being my physical collection and then anything else. I'm just in it for the story kind of thing. Yep. That's probably the easiest way to do it. And as uh, if you can't hear that right now, Tim is bag and boarding right now. So we are, we are just all out nerding this week. We are absolutely. I just, yeah, <laughs> I won't be able to cut out all of Tim's bag and board noises. So I'm, I'm just going to put it out front street that Tim is bag and boarding while we talk about. Shouldn't this be too bad. And I'm almost done. So, <laughs> yeah. So for me, my geek of the week this week, I, I feel weird always saying the same goddamn thing, but he just tours so much that I ended up <laughs> at another Matthew Good show this week. I did something weird and totally out of character for me. I was going alone. Uh, to the show, which I usually do anyway, but I actually ended up meeting up with a bunch of fans from like the Facebook group, oh, nice. so, like real diehard Matthew Good fans before the show, and kind of ended up going to the show with them. Yeah, and it was kind of nice to actually go to a show with a bunch of fucking super diehard fans that were just as excited as I was. Yeah, so I had a good time, just like shooting the shit about like Matthew Good 
crazy history nonsense that we were all kind of there for shows that we'd been in common that we didn't know each other for, which there were a fucking lot of. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was actually really cool. What's it called? The Guelph Concert Theater. It's a nice little venue. I really enjoyed. Like the sound was really good. I didn't have to put my earbuds in until like halfway through the show because yeah. the sound was so nicely balanced and stuff like that. Matt sounded awesome. It was super fun to like chat with all these people that like I've kind of known haphazardly through like message like, boards and stuff or something or yeah yeah for years and years like because i've been following all this stuff for so long that like i knew all these people I'm like oh that that face is familiar from like a show i was at or this that and the other thing i'm like oh i know this blonde girl because she's been front row with me 500 times also <laughs> like i just never spoke to her before but she's a diehard too so yeah we all had a drink and had a good time and went and saw the show and i was still home by midnight so good old doing those shows half an hour away makes my life super easy yeah Nice. And especially when they don't start at fucking 11 o'clock, like that awful one back home Oof. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's horrifying. Um, but other than that, it's just been like, I've been reading a bunch of comics. Tim's got me back on comic book stuff <laughs> now. So I've finished rereading my Daredevil run. Uh, I've been loading up my iPad for my trip. So I, I grabbed the, uh, there are seven trades of Justice Society that Jeff Johns is credited nice. on. So, or no, nine trades, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so I snagged all nine of those trades on Comixology this weekend or this week and Solid have run. loaded them to the old iPad so I can I'm going to do some Kingdom Come Superman reading while I get on the plane. Yeah, I, think. I love I love good. that fucking run because it had oh, I remember reading it and loving the shit out of it, too. So I'm just I'm super excited to do that. Yeah. Did, what else? Did I it did that? such a good job of just portraying like that. Those old guard JSA characters like interacting with yeah. some of the new generation and kind of mentoring and stuff like that. It's so much fun. Yeah, I think that was I think that was in here. I'm looking forward to getting into it again because like I remember the Black Adam story being awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's super fascinating to me. I haven't read that and it's been ten years since I've read this run, so I'm super curious to get into it again as an adult and like Yeah. And the Magog stuff it. in it, like the Kingdom's Come stuff yeah. in it was pretty solid too. And yeah, and I like I like there's some of those characters like Wildcat and stuff like that, or like the the Alan Scott Green Lantern that like I don't usually go into those guys too much, but like while I'm reading that book, I fucking find them super fascinating, like Jay Garrick and yeah. All those old uh, Golden Age characters are super cool to just kind of like have a feel for them living in the modern world too. Kind of thing is a, is a cool aspect. To yeah, so. definitely. I'm excited about that. What else did I grab? Oh, I grabbed the the first two omnibuses of Kurt Busiek's Conan Dark Horse series from a couple mm-hmm. years back, which uh, I've read before up to the at least through the first omnibus. So I'm excited to get reread that and then get in. There's four of them. Uh, four omnibuses of Kurt Busiek writing Conan. And I'm excited to get into just read all that shit because I like a good Conan story as much as I like a good James Bond story. And I was ranting about James Bond last week. So this week it's Conan's turn. There you go. There it is. That's uh, Geek of the Week for the week, though. So I think it's time that we get into the meat of the episode. Making good time this week. Yeah, too, it's so. good. So we got a big topic to get through this week. Goddamn right we do. <laughs> so, Tim, sting us in. The meat of the episode. Still beating heart meat pulled from your chest. There it is. So, again, with Christy absent, again, <laughs> and Paul ditching us, again, again <laughs> Tim and I decided to do an episode about a series of movies that we fucking love and we just talked about, really. And we just learned that Christy has not seen, so we figured so we could just we do like, this. Fuck it. We could just do this. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Indiana Jones movies and probably some of the ancillary media. I know Tim's got some games he wants to talk about. So <laughs> I think the big the big push for this week should just be the movies. Yes. And then we'll talk about this, the other stuff at the end. Stuff. So I don't have a ton of notes or questions to ask, but I'm just going to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, Raiders for me is basically a fucking perfect movie. It yeah, absolutely agree. A hundred percent agree. And every time I rewatch it, I, it reinforces it to me. Like I watched it again this week and I'm like, this is going to be the one where it finally shows a crack to me. Right. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching it. and I'm like, Nope, still perfect. Yeah. Still fucking perfect. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those, it's very much like when Mark and I just gushed over Blade Runner 2049. It's one of those movies where everything just works together perfectly. Yeah. The fucking directing, the production design, the cinematography, the performances, the sound design, the writing, the fucking John Williams amazing score, the special effects, like everything is just in concert, in fucking fully meshed together, like, yeah, yeah. in lockstep. Yeah, it's, it's very much like the kind of movie I feel like, and it's funny too, because like having just rewatched Infinity War and having just rewatched all the MCU movies, it's funny how much the MCU has stolen from, not Star Wars, but because it's stolen a lot from Star Wars, but it's stolen a fuck ton from the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, I can see. Like a lot of the way they characterize their heroes mm-hmm. is almost identical to the way they characterize Indy in these movies. It's really fun to watch because you can see all these little like, oh yeah, you like, He's had weird things in his past and they don't they just talk about it. They don't have to go back and show yeah. you flashbacks of every little inch of it kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's cool that having got, come forward 30 years or well, how well, this movie is as old as we are technically. So it's yeah. 36, 37 years in the past now. And that much time has passed and we're still learning lessons from this fucking movie. Yeah. Like this movie is still being drawn from. Yeah. This fucking movie is a masterclass, like in character work in like cinematography and everything, like just that opening where, you know, they're going through the, the jungle in South America. That is like the, like textbook fucking perfect introduction to a character. Well, to an action character, especially. Yeah. yeah like you get to see every fucking cool aspect of him in like 30 seconds and he's sw- like covered in shadow the whole time. Yeah. So he just in silhouette. Amazingly badass. Yeah. Spins around, whips the fucking gun of the guy's hand, steps out of the shadow into the light. And you're like, fuck, I'm here for this right off yeah. the bat. Like and you could, you could hear panties moistening all through the theater. <laughs> as Harrison Ford walks yeah, just- into frame properly. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Cause fucking my underwear got a little tight when he fucking strolls into the frame. So <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine if you're like 100% like straight and into men, like him walking in the frame that first time is just like, oh, yeah, yeah that's the good shit right there. Yeah. And then you just go straight into like, I don't think 80 cinema gets much, much better than like that, that iconic scene where Indy's like weighing the Hovito idol against the bag of sand, making that switch like that is just a trope codified in like 30 seconds kind of thing yeah that the the opening scene to raiders of the lost ark they should base well they do teach it in film class because they showed it to me in film class like film classes when i was there they're like this is how you introduce a character and you do it without pissing anybody off by having too much exposition yeah you just show them being like super badass super knowledgeable this is who he is this is what he does you show show don't tell yeah, absolutely. And he's also, yeah, they also show that he's a little bit of an idiot, like doesn't do things, doesn't always think things through exactly yeah. the way he probably should. He gets like one upped yeah. right at the end of the absolutely. sequence. Like, well, and that's what, so yeah, that's what fucking makes the character work. Like it's, he works because of his flaws. Like he's yeah. curious to a fault and that gets him in trouble. He's foolhardy a lot of the time. He gets overconfident at times. He yep. is a fucking womanizer that gets him into trouble. That makes him reckless sometimes. And like, those yep. are the things that make the character compelling to watch. It's not like the, it, you know, in some ways it's the stuff, you know, his expertise and his knowledge and stuff like that. But really like really what makes it worth watching is him like fucking up and then having to get himself out of a sticky situation. Yeah. And making it all up as he goes along and still coming out on top is also 
like if you're gonna make a character badass and make everybody like him, that's mm-hmm. probably the best way to do it. And but if you do it right in these movies, he ends up becoming Indiana Jones and yeah, becoming an icon. So yeah, and Harrison Ford plays that off like so well. Like you can tell most of the time, like he's playing it restrained, but then he'll get into a scene where you can just tell Indy's in his fucking element. And he's loving it, even if it's like super dangerous or whatever. And you can see the like that enthusiasm and like his like childlike wonder coming through and like yeah. if he's you know f- makes a new discovery or like learns some clue or something like that or finds a relic or figures out a puzzle or yeah absolutely yeah like that this movie i don't know like i could just hear and gush about it the whole time so <laughs> we may as well just kind of have some like particular points that we can talk about so good and bad who are your favorite characters in the movie so you get to have not indie don't fucking talk about indie <laughs> Indy just outstrips everybody yeah. in the, in the movies like a hundred percent. He's still one of my favorite fucking fictional characters of all time. Yeah. Like I love Indiana Jones, so he doesn't count. But supporting cast, Marion Ravenwood is one of my favorite female characters of all time. Like she's got such she is the best female character like basically <laughs> of all time. She is amazing. Yeah, she's a great character. She's again flawed like Indy is. You can tell she's a little bit broken in part because of Indy again her introductory scene is amazing like the drinking contest and then the interactions with the nazis and she's just got so much agency like at this time you know where and especially compared to some of the fucking later movies like her amount of willfulness is just so refreshing yeah like the the whole fact that she actually goes out of her way and like basically gets herself like kind of rescues herself by out drinking belloc at the end is like it's it's cool to watch her just kind of like yeah, I'm stuck in the situation and Indy's like telling me that he's not going to help me out. So I'm just going to fucking help myself because mm-hmm. fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. So, yeah, because she knows he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And and can tell yeah. that he can't hold his drink and, and knows yeah. that she can out. He can or she can out drink him. She can out drink. Him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marion was my pull, especially in this movie. Marion is my pull because like Jesus that she's basically the co-protagonist of the movie. Like she doesn't. Yeah. Aside from the fact that they kind of cut right her out for a, a chunk in the middle there where they think she's dead. Mm-hmm. Like she's basically like right alongside Indy the entire time. Well, so. and that's and that's nice, too, because it gives a chance for you can see Indy like broken, like, oh, my God, she's dead. But then she, mm-hmm. they didn't actually. I mean, this is before fridging was a thing, but they didn't actually fridge her kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, she's just a fucking great character. And even that's one of one of my things, like when we get to Crystal Skull is that was one of the things I enjoyed seeing about that movie is them falling right back into lockstep with each other and their yeah. dynamic after all those years. Arguably like that's the best part of that movie. I think is absolutely. Cause like the movie flags until she shows back up like crystal skull in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Like it never feels quite right until she shows up and then it's like the two of them. Now it's an Indiana Jones. Movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Well, now it's, now it's at least a watchable movie <laughs> at least anyway. So. Yeah. All right, what about the bad guys, though, Tim? Come on, man. <sighs> villains in this one are fucking awesome. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. The thing is, I don't... Well, no, Belloc is amazing, but I really... Yeah, Belloc's awesome. But he's the one out of all of them that I regret they killed. I think he would have been a cool antagonist to have to, like, recur mm-hmm. as the series went on. Like, that's the one where I'm like, ah, they shouldn't have killed him. They should have, like, maimed him horribly so that he could come back and be, like, evil and annoyed at Indy or whatever. So Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, I think I'd probably prefer Major Tote the interrogator guy he's this guy yeah that guy's just so fucking creepy yeah (laughs) apparently that actor is like the nicest actor on the planet too which i guess you would have to be if you look that fucking terrifying like (laughs) yeah when he walks on screen i'm just like that guy looks like he like you know hurts people for fun yeah he enjoys people so yeah 
apparently died pretty young. Apparently died like did he really? Yeah, he died like in uh, nineteen ninety one, age fifty five, for liver oh, cancer. Wow. That's too bad. That's sad. Yeah, but yeah, I I like. I mean, I, I wasn't so big on the uh, the the like real like Gestapo or not the the Nazi. Yeah, yeah Nazi Colonel guy. Colonel Dietrich. Like he was just kind of there or whatever, but. But all of their fucking deaths, like, I love that scene. That was one of those scenes when they opened up the arc that, like, I would just watch over and over and over again as a child. Yeah. And it, it both captivated and terrified me because I'm pretty sure I was only, like, eight or nine when I first saw it. I have literally no idea the first time I saw this movie. Like, I'd have to ask my mom. My mom would probably remember that because she yeah. remembers weird stuff like that. But I don't remember how old I was when I saw it. And this is one of those movies, that, like, you probably shouldn't see too young because it is actually kind of scary. Like, just you... that one scene in particular. Yeah. <laughs> They play the horror of like what's going on, but that's what I do like about this movie. Like what brings me back to it is it like Ghostbusters has those little moments where like you can tell the characters are kind of like acknowledging that they're way in over their heads. Like Mm -hmm. they're not really sure if what they're doing is the right thing to do, but they're kind of stuck at this point. Yeah. The wheels are in motion and yeah, it's better that Indy gets a hold of the arc than the fucking Nazis probably. Although in the end it ends up not really mattering one way or the other, but like, Mm -hmm. I guess you can see at the point, going into the, the adventure like yeah it's better that i end up with it than these fuckers end up with it so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah but yeah i mean that scene and then the tomb or whatever like the the resting place of the ark like with all the yeah. snakes and then the the mummies and stuff like that like that was also pretty fucking creepy for like eight-year-old tim or whatever oh yeah the court the corpse like jump scare with marion yeah yeah, yeah like, exactly and one terrifying. one that's got the huge snake coming through its jaw yeah, yeah. shit's awesome yeah god i love this fucking movie <laughs> but that's like yeah. that's what they do so well for me like there is an element that they're so or raiders in particular but all of them as a whole are are really well balanced between like there's a little bit of horror there's a lot of action a lot of adventure humor history the supernatural fantasy sort of aspect of it, like all those things, just even if you're only into a couple of them, you can still get into these movies. But yeah. I think you and me are just fucking into all of it. Yeah, these, these movies are like exactly what I want out of like movies. Like they have everything I want. There's like action. There's beautiful women. There's awesome fucking leading men. There's all this other stuff. There's supernatural craziness. There's Nazi getting the Nazis getting their face kicked in. Like yeah. it's just like exactly what I, it's like the perfect comic book movie basically mm-hmm. at this point. Cause I would imagine, I mean, all that pulp stuff is what comics came from. And that's where all these serialized kind of dramas that they were basing these movies on came from too. So they all have that same common core of pulp yeah. entertainment from the thirties and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know these, this movie, I will buy this movie 400,000 times. I guarantee you before <laughs> I like before I leave this earth, yeah. I will just buy it in every format possible. I already I'm like, "Oh, look, there's 4K copies coming next year." I'm like, "I guess I'm ordering that box set too cuz why the fuck not? Why would I not yeah, buy I've, a box set?" Yeah, I've only got the DVD trilogy so far. I need to get like a HD version cuz I was rewatching these on the DVD transfer and it's not great on a fucking big 4K TV. The Blu-ray pulls are really nice. That's what I watched yeah. when I rewatched them a blu-ray box that i bought last year that's quite nice yeah all right so let's just like get into the movie so it starts in where does it start it starts with him looking for that idol which i still am convinced looks way heavier than the band of his bag of sand could possibly be if it's solid gold yeah it's probably it has to be hollow right yeah. like there's no that thing would be like fucking 10 pounds if it was yeah not hollow <laughs> that's a lot of gold but yeah i mean that whole sequence i think i can't think of anything before that that i know really that that does that tomb raiding thing that well like i feel like watching that scene is just watching 
the tomb raiding genre get codified basically yeah, like basically yeah like without that we don't get lara croft we don't get uncharted like there's so many yeah. things that came after that that are just just oh so much to that introduction like that first 15 minutes in particular i was listening to another podcast this week about the tomb raider franchise they have a game coming out in a couple weeks actually like in september but they were talking about how the, the reason why Lara Croft became Lara Croft and became a woman is because originally they had a man in that spot. Mm-hmm. And the, the creators were just like, everybody's just going to think we're ripping off Indiana Jones. We got to gender flip it so that which they are, which they are. They totally <laughs> admit that they are. Absolutely. So like, well, let's just make her a hot girl because then people will at least be like, we can kind of distract them with hot girl. Yeah. And they'll immediately jump hot, to like, hot this girl is basically with, just like with triangular boobs, triangle boobs. Yeah. yeah triangle boobs. <laughs> but, if, but if we switch her to a woman, they won't immediately jump to you are ripping off Indiana Jones. It'll be the second thing they say <laughs> as opposed to the first thing they say. Hey, triangle boobs. Hey, triangle yeah. boobs. And then, oh, wait, this is a lot like Indiana Jones. Yeah, this is a lot like an Indiana Jones <laughs> video game. Why did they not just make an Indiana Jones video game? Yeah. The same with Uncharted. Uncharted is basically exactly like the Indiana Jones formula. Yeah. Puts a video games. Yeah. And it's just like, and the, and the worst part is like the Nathan Drake character is like, <laughs> a complete pastiche of indie like it's just harrison ford transposed to video games it's nice which is why when like it, that, when christy said she hadn't seen the raiders movie and she gushes about uncharted <laughs> i was like what the yeah. actual fuck know your fucking roots girl yeah you gotta go back and listen to the roots man yeah it's like oh crazy <laughs> so one of, well one of the things for me that that works so well in raiders and in all the movies is just the locales like they do such a good job of bringing us to like exotic and memorable places that are in a lot of places either real places or based on real places kind of thing so it's a really cool it's almost like a fucking tourist video in that respect like like holy fuck this looks amazing i want to go to south america now i want to go to fucking yeah i want to go to egypt now or whatever it is in that way like very much like it's 60s james bond brethren kind yeah. of thing like where it's like they go into a ton of location shooting and stuff like that which is what i noticed when i was rewatching them probably the most than anything even the, even the current james bond movies still do that a lot they do yeah absolutely but like the especially the first one like raiders like you can tell they're in the middle east and stuff like that yeah. like it looks like they're in the middle east and it's even if it's not exactly the country that they're supposed to be in it's still really cool and like that it feels authentic yeah. kind of thing like it feels like a real like middle eastern town square when they're chasing the baskets and like when they're out in the desert and like on those islands and stuff it feels like they're sweating or like basically dying of dysentery because uh, apparently a big chunk of them were while they were shooting the movie so oh really i hadn't heard that well, like the reason for the uh, the gun pull in the oh right in the square yeah, yeah. was because Harrison Ford was like deathly ill that day and just couldn't hack doing a. I did know that was improvised, Dad. That's that's one of those like big film legend legend kind of yeah. things. Yeah, so he was he was like deathly ill with this and like couldn't do a thing. <laughs> so he was shitting his brains out <laughs> actively, just, like, shitting himself in the scene <laughs> and like. He was like, I can't do a fucking fight sequence without crapping my pants. And you have like super pale khaki pants on. It's going to show right through. My <laughs> so he was like, Steven, man, can we just do like, can I just shoot him? And he was like, all right. And it becomes like a super huge establishing shot, like point for the character, right? Like where he's just yeah. a combat pragmatist. Like, yeah, this, this big dude with a sword, he could have like an epic battle with. But like, it's way easier if I just like, put my I'm six shooter and fucking gun him down because I've already chased that goddamn basket for like three fucking miles because they've been running me yeah. around all over the place so fuck this shoot him dead yeah. Keep and moving. then they go and then they go back to it in temple of doom and he goes to reach for his gun and it's not there and it's like <laughs> oh fuck now i actually do have to fight them yeah which makes it that see that's the funny part of a temple of doom is that it's supposed to be a prequel but that scene makes it feel like a sequel like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. But I mean, in part of that, like with all the, the crazy locales and that kind of thing, like that, those map shots, travel shots with the red line and everything, that's also just become fucking super iconic, super iconic over the years. Yeah. Yeah. They do every, like everything that they do. If you can steal it from indie, it's probably the best way to do it because the movie has become shorthand for action adventure stuff. So mm-hmm. the groups that they created for it, if you bring forward into your stuff, people are like, oh, it's like indie and we just keep going kind of thing. Like people understand it. Yeah. You don't need to explain it because it's just, it's, it's, zeitgeist at that point yeah um i just think that they do such a good job of playing up the MacGuffin of the arc like it's yes it's just this thing that they're chasing kind of thing but it's compelling because it's got like this perfect balance of like religious background some supernatural background and then there's like this idea that yes it actually will give the nazis like real crazy power yeah yeah it's also cool because it is like historically like there is there was an arc there was like an actual kind of yeah which is yeah which is where some of the other movies falter a bit yeah i think that's part of the problem i have like where like when people gush about last crusade i don't get as nuts about it because i'm like this feels way more like them taking fiction and trying to apply it to the real world where the arc like yes it is most of the bible is probably fucking fiction but at least the arc (laughs) like going way back to that old jewish myth is feels a little bit more real than like going in arthurian the arthurian stuff because they, they actually kind of I'm downplay the Arthurian stuff in that yeah. movie, though. Like, they, they tend to just kind of very much apply it to, like, the Christian side of things. They don't really yeah. talk about, like, knights and that. I mean, they talk about the, the knights, but it's in, in terms of the Crusades as opposed to, like, Arthurian stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I like the way they play that better. It's still more MacGuffin-y than the arc feels like, even though the arc is, like, super MacGuffin-y. I don't know. I think, I think the Shankara stones are the worst offenders of the trilogy, even worse than the fucking crystal. Oh, skull. Yeah. See, I like the crystal skull idea. That movie could have been good. There's a fucking script you could write about the crystal skulls that would work probably yeah. pretty well. It might work a little bit better as a Hellboy story than it does as an Indiana Jones yeah. story though. Cause it's a little more out there than what we'd be used to. But I think for like big rate, like big Indiana Jones movies going with that Christian mythology, which I'm hoping they'll pull for it. They're going to do this fifth one. Like, Go mm-hmm. back and figure out something that you can pull from like Judeo-Christian mythology or something like that, and yeah, like the True Cross or some sh- crazy shit like that. Like that, or... the Spear of Destiny. Like, there's all kinds yeah. of shit. They could, I mean, they've already done like games and books. I think of the Spear of Destiny and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there was a game at one point, but yeah. who gives a shit? It's all tossed now. It's Disney. You can just do it. Yeah, exactly. Want. So I don't know if they've wiped out the continuity like they have with the Star Wars stuff. I doubt they have as much. There isn't as much of it. So Yeah. Yeah. Well it's still it's also not as tightly yeah, it's all not as like tightly interwoven as the Star Wars stuff was for sure. Because it's a much smaller group of characters and everything. And that's true. All right. We'll probably sit here and gush about Raiders for the entire episode, but we should probably move on eventually. But I wanted to get into you probably have other stuff you want to talk about. I, mean, I want to talk about the, the best sequence in the movie, like what your favorite action sequence was in the movie. Favorite action sequence. Because like I'm torn between the, the truck. Yeah. That truck scene is great. I, I don't know why I like that one so much. That fight on the truck where he's, he takes out all the guys and he takes over mm-hmm. the truck and gets away from mm-hmm. them. That sequence is like extremely iconic to me. Like that's kind of Indian a scrap. That's yeah. Indian a scrap to me because he's just like making it all up as he goes along. He gets fucking shot. He gets hurt, but he comes back and he fights twice as hard and he wins kind of thing. Like that's how Indiana Jones yeah. as a fighter is like in terms of action sequences. I'm partial to the, the airfield mm. like after they get out of the tomb. I just love that face off between like him and the big burly German dude and yeah. who ends up getting fucking slaughtered by the propeller. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> like, how is this a PG movie? I don't know. Like, well, that was one thing pilot. on this rewatch in particular. I noticed like how many of those moments that we think of as just like so iconic and so brutal, but 
they're not even shown. Yeah, like true. they're just implied. They're implied through emotions, reactions. In that case, you get like the blood spatter or whatever. And he turns away too. Do they have to do a hard cut of one of them? Somebody turning away from like the carnage yeah. or something like that. So yeah, I think I think it's uh, Marion has to look away yeah. of the uh, from the dude. Um, and then like there's another the during that one. I think it's during the truck chase when Indy like runs a, a Nazi motorcycle off the road. Like you yeah. don't actually see the guy like get run off the road and get slaughtered, but like you can tell that he's fucking toast but then there's the one cartoony one like during the truck chase where like he get the, the last guy gets run over and they have him like throwing oh, his yeah. arms and legs up <laughs> as opposed to just getting like pulverized yeah. and like turned into a street pizza like you probably really would <laughs> yeah but yeah but even that like you don't actually see the car run him over you, no, you because, see his arms part of that is yeah part of that is because limitations of the uh of the effects of the time and that's one thing that i think this movie does really well is it it understands the limitations of what it could get away with in terms of effect shots like it doesn't overextend itself it knows like okay this we probably could try and show but it probably wouldn't end up looking very good so let's just imply it or you know do it with editing or something like that instead yeah Yeah, that's the one thing about like i mean we've talked about a lot of things that are amazing about this movie but like the 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 way it's shot and edited and like directed is so fucking like tightly done like it's and that's just got to be Spielberg. Like it's Spielberg just knowing in his head exactly how this scene should cut together. So he knows exactly what coverage he needs to get. What blows me away is that he was younger than us when he shot and like directed all this stuff. Like yeah. this is like a masterpiece fucking movie. And he was like, how old was he when he shot this thing? Like 31 or two or something like that. I don't even remember. Don't it was very like early in his career. Like he was this like his third movie after Jaws or something Let's like see. that. This was 81 and Spielberg was born in uh 46. So he would have been 30. Yeah. Like mid thirties. Yeah. When he did this. Yeah. Being 35 and being like at the top of your fucking game and film and like making millions and millions of dollars and knowing you still have like 30 years to get fucking better at it. Yeah. And then kind of not. He was under 30 when he fucking did Jaws. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> makes me feel like, like I've accomplished fucking that. nothing like in my life <laughs> when you hear shit like that every time I'm like oh yeah 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 That's but I mean he also had massive fucking studios behind him holy shit you know how much money this movie made Raiders? on a budget of yeah on Raiders yeah. on a budget of 18 million made almost 400 million dollars yeah like that's a blockbuster in 1981 yeah. money no less too like converted right. for fucking inflation that's probably like what Eight hundred million dollars or something like that. This movie came out two weeks after I was born. When did it come out? I was in utero when my mom saw it. I know we've told that story before, but June twelfth, nineteen eighty one, and I was born on the twenty eighth. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So before I was came even before I was even born, I was a forming thought. I think at that point. So, but if you're asking me, like, just my favorite scene in the movie overall, yeah, that map room scene where Indy with the, with the staff is probably one of my favorite scenes of all time. Like where he's in there and, oh, and gets the, yeah. And, actually and, finds out where it is. Like does the poll thing and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. He's shot so well. Like you can tell he's just super excited. He's also yeah. like, you know, really on, on edge because they could Nazis could come in at any time. And, uh, but just that reveal of like the light, the beam of light going through the staff yeah. and everything was Did you, uh, done so well. I love that. You ever scene. seen the, the weird trivia about the stick in that? The measurement no. they give makes the stick about four feet tall, which makes oh, Indy yeah. or makes Indy about three feet tall during that scene. <laughs> according to like according to the scale they give for the, the stick, cubits or whatever it is, or batons, I think, or something like that, yeah. is what it was. Yeah. But whatever it was, apparently, when you actually translate it to like modern like heights, like well, like not even modern measurements because it's fucking imperial and this is nineteen eighty one. 
Mm -hmm. we're not in America. Well, you're in America. I'm not. Um, (laughs) But apparently they had it set where it was like, yeah, it should, he should really be about three feet, three and a half feet tall in that scene because the stick should be about five feet tall. And it's, (laughs) <laughs> over him right that's a whole nother set of movies i'm surprised no nerd has gone back and like reshot like all these movies shot for shot with like a little person in the role of indiana jones <laughs> it's just all little people all you'd have to do really is just like redub the fucking audio where he gives it an accurate measurement yeah, on yeah. It and it's fixed yeah. like it's not whatever but i guess if you're just it's an ancient measurement that you don't shouldn't really know what it actually is so it doesn't yeah. really matter but it's still like yeah the stick should be five feet tall which means he should be about three and a half comparatively like if you look yeah, at them together because it goes yeah it goes like a good like foot above his head yeah it's it's pretty <laughs> funny but yeah no that scene see that wasn't the scene i was thinking when you were talking about the map room i was thinking about like the the scene in the library at the beginning where he they explain what the arc is and what it's capable of yeah, yeah. like that kind of scene like that's, that's what i'm talking such about good exposition that's what i mean like it's so well put together like such good exposition like that's an 80s movie thing i feel like we, they we've lost is the good creepy exposition scene where your hero looks like he's kind of scared about what he's going after because mm-hmm. they do it in ghostbusters too where they have those moments where they're talking about like what's happening and yeah. they all kind of look at each other like i think we're fucked like i'm pretty sure we're fucked and that's all just down to writing and performance like you it's know no effects yeah. or anything like that it's just like you have to be able to project the gravity of this while exactly. discussing it we're not going to show anything it all has to come from you as an actor kind of thing exactly. and and mark the guy that plays marcus brody as well it does such a good job with that too. I wish I could remember his name. I he just passed he passed away just before they did Crystal Skull. So uh it is Denim Elliott. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he was awesome in, in that role as Marcus. I like them. I and John Rice Davies is so much fun as Solace. Solace is one of my favorite characters too. I love that in uh I think it's Crusade though, where he punches the guy for Marcus when he shows up in Yeah, yeah. Run. Run. What? Run. Run. Yeah, and he what? punches him through the newspaper. Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> and then Marcus still ends up getting caught, like right afterwards. Like right there. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't change anything. Yeah, I, I love and I love, I love, I love lies him. about him. He's like, <laughs> fucking knows every language, knows every local custom. He'll disappear. He'll he probably already him, got you'll the, never see him again. Yeah, with any luck, he's got the he's got the cup already. He's got the grail already. Yeah. he's wandering around his schedule just like fucking lost, <laughs> not knowing yeah. who anybody is. Does anybody speak ancient Greek? Because that's the only <laughs> language he speaks, of course. Yeah, orc. So good. So well <laughs> All right, so we've we've gushed about raiders for like almost a half an hour. So yeah. let's move forward into the Temple of Doom, and what <laughs> you th- that whole this this <laughs> one is. It's problematic. It's I still like it. I still have a lot of nostalgia for Temple of Doom. It wasn't until this watch through, I will. I'm I'm willing to admit it wasn't until this watch through that I actually realized that it was a prequel to Raiders because I was like looking up the Wikipedia page, like because there's nothing really that places it in time. Like I guess if you're a history buff and you know, like that the only thing is that it says 36 at the during the opening. And yeah. which, if you were like super close paying attention to Raiders, they do say that it's 38 that 38 in the movie. Which yeah. is like, if you have to be paying way too close attention. I saw, I caught it just because I've read the TV tropes page 500 million times. So, yeah, I've known about yeah, that. But I mean, years, but. but like, Indy's almost the exact same guy. Like, he's, you know, he's not, hasn't really grown too much over those, you know, he's basically the exact same Indy that we get in Raiders. So, normally that is what really establishes, like, okay, this movie came before this or came after this. The, like, only, the only real point is that he's actually a little bit skeezier in Temple of Doom than he is in yeah. Raiders. You know what I mean? Like, he's a little, still a little bit. He's a little seedier, which I like. Like, I like that side of the character, him being like not on the up and up all the time, being kind of a shit. I yeah. enjoy that part of the character. Yeah. And it does, 
Temple of Doom brings in a lot of the best parts of Raiders. It still we still get like awesome locales for the most part, compelling characters, great action, great adventure. (laughs) Who are you talking about? (laughs) Really good production design, but it does have some fucking janky bits. Like (laughs) found Timothy. It Temple of Doom banks a lot harder into like the camp and the kitsch, and not not in a good way. Yeah, no, I find I find like the 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 sequels are both much campier than Raiders ever is. Like Raiders has moments of camp. Like there's a lot of horror stuff in Raiders where like lights get blown out when they start talking about the arc or like the candles yeah. kind of shuffle in the wind. I'm like, all right, that's a little arch and like fifties horror kind of stuff. But like, I'll, yeah. I'm totally in for it. Like I just totally blow past any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas when this, this stuff happens in temple, they also already have the shrieking blonde. They have yeah. this, the child sidekick. And then all this goofy, weird, like supernatural shit starts happening. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. They're really leaning into the the serial yeah. kind of feeling of this stuff now. And like I think it it has to come down about 90% to script. Like mm-hmm. it's still shot really shot and edited really well overall. Like for the story that they're telling, they tell it well. I'm yeah. just not really there for the story that they're telling in some yeah. in some parts. Like fuck, I can't <laughs> not indie centric enough, I think is the problem. Like Raiders for yeah. all of its like like moving around and having a lot of people in it is very much his story. Like the story of this guy who is kind of a cutthroat archeologist, treasure hunter, tomb raider kind of guy discovering that like one of these things that he's gone out and hunting is a real active, horrifying thing. Like it's not just Mm -hmm. treasure hunting. It's like some of this shit's dangerous and it needs to be protected or put in a museum and studied properly. Whereas like the temple of doom character is very much not that guy yet. He's very much like, I think that's, the reason why it works as a prequel is it partially Fortune teaches him that lesson like of it's not just fortune and glory, right? Like mm-hmm. you, some of the shit might actually be real and he just happens to be that time period's best fucking hand to get in there and help out the situation, I guess. So, and just so fucking happens to end up, to in just show up. That village. was the weirdest part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, just so at the right time. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's a little fucking much for me. I don't know, man. Those Star Wars movies are all based on fucking coincidence. So yeah, but they're like that's you know, galaxy far, far away. Like I, I, I can believe that the fucking Force has a hand in guiding all that shit or whatever. But, but you're, you're not, you're not willing to accept the fact that like in a world where God exists, that God may have put fucking Indy where he needed to be, <laughs> or like the, the Hindu the gods or whatever. Like yeah, either guess, or, but still, because yeah. like it's the same God in the first and third movie. It's the Christian God in the first yeah. and third. So he had to have put Indy in the fucking spot, right? If that's what you're gonna go with, like. How did he end up in this situation? Yeah. Out of all the movies, this is the hardest one for me to believe that. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah uh, absolutely. Sort of how Indy got into this situation kind of thing. Well, you mean Dan Aykroyd getting him on the plane didn't totally sell you on how he got in there? <laughs> I only fucking noticed that was Dan Aykroyd this time through <laughs> as well. Like, I don't know if it's just I wasn't paying attention or like this was the first time I, I was watching it on the huge screen and like recognized him. I'd recognize his horrid fucking English accent almost <laughs> anywhere. He's got the worst English accent I've ever heard in my life. And yeah. I love it to death because it's Dan Aykroyd, but it is really bad. It is really bad. But yeah, I, I was Raiders. surprised. With Tim, uh, <laughs> Tim, Tim sent me a message while we were rewatching. We were kind of rewatching them last weekend, I guess. We just yeah. we, we started talking about doing this episode, and then I think we both started rewatching Raiders, and we're like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it, and rewatch them all kind of thing <laughs> about halfway through the weekend. But he sent me a message when he started Temple of Doom, like, I didn't realize that was Dan Aykroyd at the beginning. I'm like, really? You didn't recognize that <laughs> fucking horrifying accent? So fucking funny. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But speaking of fucking terrible performances, I could not stand Willie in this goddamn oh, movie. Oh, God. 
I can stand looking at Willie, but I can't stand listening to her or watching her do anything because, God, she's annoying. Especially fucking juxtaposed against Marion in the first movie. Like, it's just swung so hard in the other direction. And I'm like, no, I just cannot take this fucking bitch. You know what the trivia is on that? Where, like, they were both going through, like, bitter breakups and divorces. Like, Lucas, I think Lucas was getting divorced and Spielberg was getting, was breaking up with somebody. Oh, so they wanted, like, this obnoxious female character in here to exercise their demons kind of thing. I think that's kind of what it was. I think they've admitted oh. to that after the fact where they're like, we wrote that. And like when we, it's like a couple years, they were after the fact, they were like, yeah, that was a fucking horrible choice we made there. And we were just angry, <laughs> yeah. like angry young men, you know, you, when you're young and dumb, you do stupid shit. And that ruining the second Indiana Jones movie with that character was how they, <laughs> how they got through their fucking emotions, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess he, well, Spielberg, I think he's still married to her too, but he married Kate Capshaw after that movie. So Did he? I don't know. Yeah. He's been, I think they're still married to this day too. He married her. He, they were together after that movie shot. Like he met on, they met on set and dated after uh, the fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got married in 1991 and looks like they still are. There you go. Huh. Fucking seven kids together. But yeah, I mean, but on the flip side of that, it does have short round and I fucking love short round. Yeah. Short round's pretty fucking awesome. Like, and that's the thing, like a, putting a, like a kid sidekick into this movie shouldn't work like it's like putting robin into batman like it just doesn't make sense but for some reason in this movie it just completely works and again it comes down to performance like they just play off each other so well like that scene where they're both cheating each other at cards around the campfire is so great except for fucking willie running around screaming like i could have just watched the two of them just just yelling at each other because they're they're both cheating each other it's funny watching that scene too. You could tell Harrison Ford's having the fucking time of his life doing that scene. <laughs> like, he looks like he's having so much fucking fun. Yeah. Which from Harrison Ford is so rare now that to see him enjoying doing his job, especially after having watched Crystal Skull and looking like he did not want to be there at all the entire time, mm-hmm. it's really nice to go back to these old movies and see him just like like just Harrison Ford himself as Indy having just the time of his life, bouncing around and punching people in the face and like cheating on cards and like yelling at a little Asian boy and stuff like that, which yeah. out of context sounds horrible, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, in the movies, fucking great. Yeah. Great in the movie. Yeah. And I just, I really love that opening sequence in the, uh, was it Hong Kong. Yeah. Club yeah Obi-Wan. Club Obi-Wan. Like I love, I, I guess one way that we sort of see that Indy's a little bit more like foolhardy is like when he just doesn't hesitate to take that poison drink from Lao. Like, yeah, probably should have fucking seen that coming kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Cause like every time I watch it, I'm like, I would have seen that coming. Why did he not see that? He's Indiana goddamn Jones. But you remember the character in a lot of ways, kind of a fucking idiot. Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of happens that way. Yeah. He's just lucky enough that he can, or not luck. Well, I get part of it is luck. Part of it is just that he is used to having to sort of fly by the seat of his pants and, and improvise yeah. when he gets into a shitty situation kind of thing. And, and at it, the end of the day, after all of that rigmarole, if I have to dig out the antidote from Kate Capshaw's chest, cleavage, yeah. not a losing proposition not, for me. Not the so, worst day. No, not <laughs> a losing day. Yeah. So good. Times. But I always feel bad of for Wuhan in that scene where he, uh, Wuhan is like his friend that oh, was, his buddy, the, yeah, yeah, that was disguised as a server. He's like, I go yeah. first, Indy. I'm like, oh, like oh, that. Oh, that's rough. As soon as when when I was wa- rewatching it this team, I was like, there's a lot of Indian in John Constantine. Going back to what we were talking about before, like mm-hmm. a lot of people around Indy end up like hurt or broken because yep. Indy has to do whatever he has to do, and sometimes people get hurt in on in the way kind of thing. It's kind of a noir detective kind of yeah. throwback 
yeah like thing like that's one of those things that like both characters have a lot like, again it goes back to that pulp the pulp origins of this kind of stuff yeah like yeah absolutely that's a pulp thing very much like those old detective stories very much have anybody who gets involved with that person getting killed horribly kind yeah of thing, and so. yet people just continue trusting them or whatever and- well to be fair looking like harrison ford probably doesn't hurt anything <laughs> when it comes to drawing people to you yeah. so or john constantine there is that. For that, for that or matter. john constantine yeah if you look like matt ryan i probably hard to you know have people say no yeah or Sting, if you're the comic book John Constantine, I guess. Because no, who do you look? At? Yeah, Sting. Yeah. Sting was the character. Yeah, it was the, back yeah, in the day. absolutely. But yeah, I I don't know the Temple. Of, like once it actually gets moving, I find I don't know. I can watch Temple of Doom and not have a problem with it because once they finally get into India and like they get to the palace and like things start happening, yeah, I'm like this is this moves a little bit better. I could do without the gross dinner scene, which always throws that, me off. Yeah, that one really grossed me out when I when I, I it was another one of those ones I saw it when I was too young and I was just like, uh, I don't like this. Like yeah. the snake surprise and the chilled monkey brains and the eyeball soup the and eyeball the beetle. The eyeball soup especially so fucking gross. Too. Yeah. Like, all the other stuff, I'm like, I can kind of understand it, but the eyeball soup, I'm like, that's fucking gross. Like just yeah. uh, not disgusting. But I, I'm with Let's you. Not do that. Basically, from the point on from when they go through that secret pa- uh, passage in Pancot, yeah, I'm pretty much on board from that point on. Yeah. Like, there's some janky bits and like some slow shit going into that, but uh, once once we get past that point, like, I'm I'm pretty firmly on board. Yeah, once it becomes like an Indiana Jones adventure proper, like it's yeah. I mean, some of it's over the top. Like, I still like think the minecart racing shit. I'm like, this is a little bit like cartoony for my taste, but and there's some fine, shitty. There's some fucking shitty rotoscope in that. Like, yeah. bad green screen and like yeah. bad. There's all that kinds of bad shit going on in there. But and they rush these movies out, so yeah, like, well, they make these movies yeah. for nothing and slam them out like super fast, which is always like that's the impressive part when it comes to like. Raiders or Last Crusade is like mm. how quickly and cheaply. Well, I mean, not Last Crusade so much, but yeah, more Raiders. Like they made it so cheap and they made it so quickly, and it still turns out to be this like perfect fucking movie. Yeah. And when they tried to repeat it the next time, it didn't quite work out as well because mm-hmm. you know it's a sequel. It's not as much surprise as that and the other thing, but it's just not as well put together a movie as yeah. it's sequel or prequel is i guess yeah like the rope bridge scene and like the riding the raft through the forest there's some like really fucking shitty like green screen stuff yeah. there oh yeah absolutely uh, like even like the what, like the the guys who fell off the bridge and like are supposed to be getting eaten by crocodiles but it's clearly just like first of all they're not even the right fucking animals that are at america they're the american, <laughs> american alligators, yeah like they're that. not now crocodiles. Like the crocodiles or whatever they're, they're, they're not those ones yeah. And they're clearly just pulling apart fucking empty clothes. Like there's no actual stuff like meat. Like you just throw some fucking steaks in there. Yeah. So it looks gross. And then just, then just yeah. drop, drop a Wilhelm screen in and be done with it. Yeah, basically. I think that's pretty <laughs> much what they actually do. <laughs> it's like empty clothes, crocodiles and a Wilhelm screen. Cause they use that Wilhelm scream in all these movies. Like they four do. times. Yeah. <laughs> it comes up a lot. Yeah. Um, actually like the one we were talking about, like when the guy gets run over, there's a Wilhelm scream right there. Like that's one of them. Like yeah. there's, yeah. there's a lot of Wilhelm screams and especially the first three. Yeah, all over the place. I don't remember catching one in Crystal Skull, but I was basically there is not paying attention. There is one they use it. Yeah, it's not like really obvious, but I did catch one. Yeah, some of the ones early on the in the early ones are like, "Whoa, shit!" They just like blanked out the fucking soundtrack and just played Wilhelm scream, and that was the end of it. So yeah, but going back to what you're talking about, where like this is the movie where Indy sort of starts to realize that it's not all about like fortune and glory, like that moment where he's gone down after the like initial ceremony has got the stones and is about ready to leave. And then he starts hearing the screams of the children that are being held captive. And you like see that, you know, 
sort of realization on his face is like, fuck, I need to help these yeah. kids kind of thing. Like that's where he starts realizing like, okay, it's not all about these relics. It's, you know, there's, I should do the right thing or whatever. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good character moment. I think that's the one thing that they keep going throughout the whole series as like quality dips, ebbs and flows kind of thing. Is it like, at least they kind of have the indie character locked down, even if aging him 40 years past his prime may not have been the greatest idea. Kind of thing in Crystal Skull. Uh, it's only like twenty years because Crystal Skull took place in the late fifties, and the, this movie is uh, late. Well, maybe 30s. it's just because like Harrison, Harrison Ford's like fucking fifty years older than he probably should be at that point. So yeah, he was like thirty years yeah. older than when the first movies were. So filmed, it's like so. Ugh. anyway. And I'm uh, I'm not not really sure that that was an accurate depiction of a oh, village India? in nineteen thirties India. Think anything that they were showing in India was an accurate representation Jeez. of India because. Holy hot fuck, was it racist? <laughs> oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's fucking like Hindu cults and like voodoo dolls. And- yeah, exactly. But it's right from the start because, like, even the, the stuff in Hong Kong, like the Chinese guys are that's yeah. pretty fucking racist too. So, like, there's a lot of which I guess you can kind of own as like it's it's all supposed to be a pastiche and a homage to those old movies where, like, that was how they everything would have been depicted anyway in the most horrifyingly racist way possible. And then, like, but mm-hmm. like transposing that to what is this movie? Nineteen eighty six doesn't fucking yeah. hold up. Uh, no, Indiana Jones was, or Temple of Doom was eighty three. Oh yeah, that's right. Eighty four. Eighty four. Okay. So eighty four. But even then, still, whew, not the most accurate depiction of the Indian people. Just, uh, <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very much. Still, I mean, like removing that, if decent villains for a movie that is. A decent movie. It's yeah. Nothing, nothing exciting. Nothing special. But like, yeah, fact, like the Mola Ram character is pretty iconic, though. Like, it's something that like out of everything else in this movie, I remember him almost as vividly, yeah. almost more vividly than I remember any other villain in the series, really, until you get to Kate Blanchett, because it's Kate Blanchett, who's way more recognizable. Mm. She's yeah. terrible, but like, it's, you know, she's yeah. more recognizable. But no, I mean, that. Well, that whole sequence, like the whole Kali Ma, the, you know, ripping it, ripping out the still being hard. That was another one that had a massive impression on me as a kid. Well, that's, like, that's what everybody remembers uh, about this movie, right? It's like when you, when you see Temple yeah. of Doom, people are like, oh yeah, the heart thing. And I'm like, Kali Ma, Kali Ma. Yeah, the heart, between the heart and the, like the guy doing, because it's the heart sequence and the minecart sequence seem to be like what everybody goes back to in these movies. Like those are the two big like action sequences that everybody kind of remembers and like fine i guess like yeah. the sequence actually like pretty well put together for 1984 yeah. like it, it it holds up pretty well considering like it's gross as fuck but it is at this point an indiana jones movie so like gross as fuck is kind of part of what they do like there is yeah there's always a little like one, that one like gross out yeah. scene or whatever like last crusade you got like the rats and everything. well there's the rats and like the guy like kind of fading into nothingness like when he decays after drinking yeah. the thing that's pretty fucking gross too like it's way more pg yeah. than anything in the first two movies but it is still them pushing yeah, then heads exploding yeah, or melting, melting or <laughs> i love that sequence man that sequence is so goddamn good yeah it really it's is that creepy like that's the one back to back like like that creepy fucking the one that taught the the ghost that taught looks at that comes up and is all like ethereal and kind of beautiful and then turns into that like and the horror show skull thing i'm like that's and he just sort of starts shitting his pants actively and screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> so fucking good. You should have yeah. just done the whole episode of Raiders <laughs> and just blown that fucking movie for an hour. 
Yeah, I said when we when we we'll do a, we'll do a commentary. Uh, Absolutely, do a commentary. And I'll, turn, I'll make that note. We'll right do now. a do a three hour commentary for a two hour movie. <laughs> we just blow. Yeah, it. <laughs> we'll pass the credits. Awesome. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Temple of Doom? Or let's see. The only other one. <sighs> there's one other thing that just like just a may, might be nitpicky in the scheme of things, but during the Obi Club Obi Wan, like the dance sequence that anything goes where they have the fucking dancers do the splits in reverse. Like they just fucking reverse yeah. that shot. So they're going back up. I'm like, that's just weird. Why did you where do she that? goes back into like, into like the warehouse or whatever the fuck that was, like where the dancers are. Like, is that a dream sequence? And that made, that's the part that makes no sense to me. Cause she goes away. Where are they watching? Her? Yeah. It's 1930 fucking six. It's not like there's screens in that club. Like they're not watching TV. Did that just happen? Yeah. What is going on? No sense whatsoever. <laughs> And then she just shows back up. She looks great in that outfit, yeah. but like, that's about the only good thing about that sequence is her in that fucking, <laughs> about dress. That fucking character. Yeah. Well, there's that too. I don't know. It's still a good movie. It just when you're comparing it to like Raiders, Raiders in particular, and I personally like I much prefer Last Crusade to Temple of oh. Doom. Like when you're comparing it to those two, it just the issues become glaringly obvious. See, I always I put that this in Temple of Doom on like the same ish level for. Various this last crusade. yeah, last crusade for various reasons. Okay. Like it, it's, We're gonna have a different last crusade opinion, a, like above it, but not by much kind of thing for me. Yeah, but if you want to just get into last crusade, we can get into last crusade. I'm good because there's sure. that absolutely. Because my only thing with last crusade is it leads into the camp way more. Like him having his dad there is an awesome move, but it makes him act like goofy indie for the entire movie, which bothers me a little bit. It does a bit, but I'm uh, I'm willing to overlook it at least. Like I think. And and you get that a lot, like or like that's real life, right? Like yes. when you're around your parents, you're a different person Absolutely. than when you're not, kind of thing. And so I'm okay with it in this case. I feel like it's justified here. Rather than Temple of Doom, it's just like this is just fucking goofy for no apparent reason. Yeah, but it's not as goofy as Last Crusade. I think that's the one thing where Last Crusade yeah. becomes like way more kind of camp in comparison. So I don't, eh, I I don't see it that way. I I think Temple of Doom le- leans a lot more into the camp. I think this Temple of Doom's got more horrifying stuff in it. Like there's more horror elements to it. It age, feels like it's it ages it up out. a little bit more. Whereas Temple of, or Last Crusade yeah. doesn't really have that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe. And he just seems kind of goofy as soon, as, especially when Sean Connery shows up. Who I love, like Sean Connery's awesome in this role. Like he's fantastic. Yeah. Everything's great in this movie. It's just I find the way Indy acts is like a little too goofy. Like I can mm-hmm. understand it being awkward, but like some of it being like. Like the scene on the blimp, that's what I want. Everything else where he's stumbling around and being kind of an idiot, just because his dad's there, I'm like, "Uh, I'm not into this anymore. (laughs) But I like, I don't know. I like it because I like seeing Indy like off his guard like that. Like normally, you know, he's the one that's like, you know, always on top of things or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And here now he's being like his coolness is being undermined by his dad being around and being like we named the dog indiana <laughs> which is a good fucking line though i'll give him that much it is <laughs> got a lot of fun memories about that dog, dog. yeah goddamn right <laughs> Doc connery uh awesome always awesome like i know he's yeah, a fucking absolutely. awesome uh, asshole and like kind of a pain in the ass to be around but like honestly on screen i will watch that man do absolutely fucking anything just captivating to yeah. watch so much fun to watch yeah i i and i love the dynamic between the two of them mm-hmm. i think they play off each other so well like the banter back and forth like the disapproving looks that uh henry senior gives to Indy and shit like movie. that every time he gives him those fucking yeah. looks i'm like that's what i want yeah indy does something like badass and he's like so pleased with himself and then henry henry looks over and he's like 
I raised you better than this, son. What's, what's even better is that, like, because <laughs> Indy looks so proud of himself, he looks at his dad, who is literally James Bond. <laughs> and his dad, who is James Bond, looks at him and is just like, you're not as cool as I was. You're just not as cool yeah, as like, I was. Yeah, I was a fucking badass <laughs> pimp back in the day. You're all right. You're doing fine. But compared to me. Yeah. And I love that they fucking yeah. both get with Elsa. Oh, fuck that, that is that just amazing. Is the funniest scene in the entire series <laughs> where he's like, he's like, it could have been that blah, 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 something about the, the next man. And he's like, I was the next man. And they kind of look at each other I for a second. The and they're like, man. yeah, well, yeah. Awesome. Shame. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. A little, little like that acknowledgement of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't hate the player. Especially when it's goddamn <laughs> Sean Connery. Of course she's going to sleep with him. I sleep with Sean Connery. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I know. But no, I I I like how Last yeah. Crusade is structured. That that flashback sequence in the beginning gives just enough context about the relationship between Indy and his dad that you know exactly later on like what to expect kind of thing. And with the gone too soon River Phoenix as young Indy, I yeah. thought was really well cast. Yeah, he crushed that. And like for like those 5 minutes that he's there, he was like he played that role very yeah. very well like young Indy, like he fucking kills it. So yeah, and it's it's. I mean, yes, it's a little too convenient, but there's all kinds of shit in these movies that are like that, where like you get to see like uh, his fear of snakes get uh, become established. The whip. The, and, uh, the whip, and yeah. then the the scar, and the, hat. and the and the hat, like all like there's the persona right there, or like you know eighty eighty percent of the persona is like right there. Obviously, like that other like grave robber that is like who yeah, he ends up emulating like, later on. Or, like, Basically, an idealized yeah, version steals his fucking uh, just whole fucking shtick and just kind of rolls yeah. with it like whole cloth. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, it does return to formula a little bit in terms of you know Marcus stops by the classroom to get a relic from Indy the cross of Coronado. Then he's at the university, and that's where like he gets like his next mission, and it's back to fighting Nazis again and stuff. So it does go back to some of the like the safe spaces yeah. of Raiders in some ways, but I I. I would be happy if every fucking Indiana Jones movies was like a Catholic relic or Christian relic. Basically, and that's Nazis what I want from those like, movies. It's just like Judeo-Christian relics and yeah. him punching Nazis in the face and some hot girl. Like that's pretty much what you need to put in these movies. Yeah. And if you can make the hot girl also have like yeah. a ton of agency like Marion did, then all the better. You know what I mean? Like a well-written yeah. female girl. Yeah. Or Elsa. I mean, Elsa was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good character pretty as well. <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, um, yeah. It, and she's very much like a, a sort of like mirror darkly yeah. version of Indy. Like you can tell that she has the same like passion for archaeology and the relics that she does, but she is just in it more for fortune and glory. Almost like thing Bella got fucking reincarnated into a hot blonde woman or something like that. You know what I mean? It's almost like they could yes. have had like this. That's what I was talking about when I said they could they should have kept Belloc around. He would have fit fucking whole perfectly into this movie. And it would have given you that continuity between the two that would have been like, <laughs> and then we get Indy and his dad, both fucking Belloc. Uh, no, but I mean, like if you had, if you had Herbie <laughs> Belloc's like protege, he's, it's also he's possible. French. I mean, it's work. true. We do swing both ways, regardless of how, <laughs> like what you, of who you are. Um, that's just how the French work. But I mean, if you had Herbie, his protege, yeah. and then you get to have like the, the father daughter pair alongside the father, like father son pair. See, I'm rewriting the movie. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be doing it, but. <laughs> yeah. oh, well that reminded me too there it was a couple years ago at dragon con there was a two guys that cosplayed as indy and henry and they they were both like 
uh, it was like in the castle scene where they're oh, right, right, both yeah, tied yeah. to the same awesome. chairs together. That's amazing. So like they were walking around. Yeah, they were walking around Khan like tied backwards to each other and awesome. like doing the like looking back and forth and stuff. And it was so good. See, that's Such like a, a cosplay, cosplay I could get behind. It's like totally doing like Indiana Jones. I could totally do Indiana Jones. That would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. I'd have to shave, but like not that much because he does keep a pretty good scruff. <laughs> And I mean, we were talking about the the whole Catholic thing. Like, I think it was during the last cru- this most recent rewatch of Last Crusade for this episode that I realized that probably one of the reasons I was so captivated with these movies as a child was because I was raised Catholic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So seeing him, yeah. So like seeing him go after these like Christ- Christian relics and like the like secret societies surrounding them, like the those like Guardians of the Crusade oh, or the, whatever, yeah, the, the Guardians of the, of the Grail, Ross, like those guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, and like these from sword. I yeah, say. and like these old, you know, old Christian legends and sort of stuff just really spoke to that side of me, kind of thing. There's definitely like, and if you go back and you want to reread like the actual history of the church, like when it comes to all these splinter factions and all this weird shit happening, is pretty interesting. And some of it, oh, it, yeah. it probably got pulled into these mm-hmm. movies because it is so weird and fucking like kind of lore ish, like stuff you could pull in to make a cool backstory for. Yeah. You know, an Indiana Jones movie, even though it really happened, like it was all real shit. You're just slotting Indiana Jones into the middle of it kind of thing mm-hmm. and adding the grail kind of stuff just to whatever. But you're using all this real ish stuff to sweeten the pot kind of works yeah. out really well. And just in general, those fucking scenes in Venice are just so beautiful. Shot so well and just amazing backdrops and all that location yeah. shooting, man, looks so good. And that's one of those things I think that cinema today is missing in a lot of ways, like because people rely so heavily on CGI and on just, you know, big studios and stuff like that, rather than actually getting out on. And I can understand why, but it just it really does lend so much just atmosphere to it when you can really get in and and feel that location as as a character kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that was why, like, I was rewatching Infinity War this week, and not to bring it back to Infinity War for the five hundredth time because we know we talked <laughs> about the movie a ton. But like the scene where he, like, Tony meets Doctor Strange, like at the beginning, mm-hmm. and they leave the Sanctum Santorum, and he's just walking out onto the streets of New York. Like, you can tell yeah. they shot that on a street, probably in Atlanta, but it feels like New York <laughs> kind of thing enough that like yeah. it feels like they're in a place in in a time, and like that's what in, the Indiana Jones movies do super well is they stock the whole area around almost to a fault like by crystal skull it becomes almost like fetishized a little bit but in the first three it's like they do a really good job of like we're gonna go to venice get everything period appropriate and it's gonna look awesome Mm -hmm. we're gonna sit in venice for about a half an hour of the movie and just really enjoy the fact that we're in venice doing stuff in here even if we're gonna do something really ridiculous and have catacombs in a city that's built on top of water makes no sense with with massive petroleum deposits under it yeah because that makes sense right like that's that that pissed me off so much when you see indy like walking along with a fucking like torch and you can see little bits of like the torch like dripping off i'm like that would just be like setting everything on fire they would be dead you they would be dead you would both be dead yeah like yeah that's not a good idea (laughs) that being said i think I, there's a lot of fantastic gags in Last Crusade as well, and that might be some of the stuff that you find like too kitschy or too campy. But like yeah. the librarian with the stamp, so that one I don't and, mind. It's more like the stuff where like Henry sits down on that chair in, in the castle and leans back, and then like oh, the fucking and, stair goes, and then but he I'm just happens to be standing on it, and then has the dumb like awkward Chris or yeah, Chevy Chase like, backwards. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Like, if you're going to fall, just fall. Don't, be like, do the comedy bit beforehand. Like, I don't need the comedy <laughs> bit beforehand. Just fall. 
Yeah. But like, yeah. I just, I do like, there's bits of it that I like where he's just always yelling. Like, he's always like, dad, yeah, not the boat. We're taking yeah. something up. Like he's just always yelling, dad, we gotta <laughs> do this. Like, come on. 12, 11, 10, yeah. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like what is, he shoots the tail out. Son, I'm yeah. sorry. They got us. They, they got, got us. You. I love you, yeah. Sean Connery, so much. <laughs> And oh. and just that whole spinning fireplace gag is just yeah. executed, oh, God. executed and and uh, edited so expertly. That whole sequence where they're back and like even just back and forthing with each other, yeah. And like it is great kind characters, of characters. Yeah. But like they're they're whipping their heads back and forth, trying to get on the same side just to talk to each other, and they can't yeah. fucking get in sync. Like they're so out of sync yeah. as father and son that like even just in that situation they can't get their fucking shit together for thirty seconds and like go to the fucking fireplace and not burn to death, but it takes them <laughs> a half a second to get their shit together and get on the same fucking wavelength. So yeah. So yeah. Good. And the, uh, and I love that face to face with Adolf oh, where yeah. he's got, he's got the grail diary and, <laughs> and Hitler signs it. Yeah. That's just, that's just classic. Yeah. And even good... even uh, the painting of the Ark in the catacombs as well. I like that. Yeah. Which they, like, like, Oh, it's the, Ar- the Ark of the covenant. And Elsa's like, are you sure? He's like, are you yeah, pretty sure because sure. <laughs> they play the little motif too like the late yeah the late yeah they do the art plays there i'm like oh it's so good yeah yeah remind me of the vastly superior movie that's a good idea yeah <laughs> yeah i i honestly i it nah, the raiders me, raiders is be, like head and shoulders above everything else in the season in the series for me th- i feel like this might be the best of the series for me but i don't think it's fair to call it the best because of how much it builds on raiders yeah. Like obviously you can't have this movie without Raiders being there yeah. first. So, but I I think I might like Last Crusade as much as I like Raiders that, overall. That kind of makes sense for our personality. Like the what, what the differences in our personality <laughs> that totally makes yeah. sense. That Fair absolutely enough. makes sense to me that you would like Last Crusade more than you like Raiders, <laughs> and that I would be the purest Raiders asshole who's. Like, no. <laughs> I like all I like all these movies. I do enjoy all of them to a certain point. Raiders is perfect, and they all are just kind of pale comparisons after the fact. Like they're all just reflections mm-hmm. after. So. But talking about that light motif from the Raiders one, I really like the Grail light motif that they add oh. in this one. The score editions in general, like score the score for Temple of Doom was just like, eh, it, let's not really add anything, kind of thing. Yeah. But the that like, I love that little uh, Grail. The score for Last Crusade is very good, actually. Like the whole thing is very good. And like, I'm not a score guy. I know that we've talked about doing like favorite scores on the podcast, and that's an episode that I just like. It's like musicals. I dread it because I'm like. Oh boy, that's going to be a lot. <laughs> but this, like the indie scores, both Raiders and especially like, well, Raiders, obviously, but like, especially, not especially, but also Last Crusade yeah. are both great scores, like scores that I listen to, like when I'm working and stuff like that, that kind of get me motivated to create and stuff like kind that. Of thing. So, yeah. yeah. I really like the set of trials, the Grail trials might be my like favorite set of booby traps in any of the movies, like the Penitent Man, the Walking in the Footsteps of God. My, my problem is they feel it feels weirdly out of place for a Christian relic to have like such fucking murderous stuff in them, but it makes sense at the same time, kind of thing. Like, yeah, well, Christian history has a lot of blood yeah, in it. Well, <laughs> yeah, not hey, no argument there. Yeah. Not not getting any less bloody as time goes on either. So that, yeah, there is that. The reveal shot for that bridge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the step leap of faith from the lion's head is just so beautiful. Where you're seeing it overhead and it looks like there's nothing there. And then yeah. he takes you off to the side and you can see, okay, there really is like, that's just done so fucking well. Like fucking, that's just Spielberg being like Spielberg though. Like yeah. when he's like 
on, he's still the best director ever. It had to be a crazy production design task as well to make something uh, that just see, totally blended into like the, part, whatever. Part it is of my happening. problem with that sequence is that like some of it, like especially when they skew off of it and stuff, it looks really green screened. And I'm not sure if it's practical or not. Like I've never watched the behind the scenes to like yeah. see how they did that. And I'm like, is that just green screen? Did you just fake all of that? Because sometimes it looks like it is, and sometimes it looks like he's really standing on it. Like it's almost hard to tell. Because like when he throws the beads, like the the stones or whatever, to Pebble, indicate yeah. it, yeah, that looks fake. That looks like green screen kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that part does. I think that might be the only one that is. I think everything else might be practical, and just that That's last cool. one. Look, yeah. Maybe once the 4K version comes out, I'll watch it again in high, like super super high def, and I'll be able to see where the matte lines are and shit. But even yeah. on the Blu-ray version, I couldn't see, like I couldn't tell. And I'm usually the one who's like looking for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I didn't, really, couldn't really see where the lines were. So yeah. It just means they did a really good job on the Blu-ray release that they cleaned all that shit up yeah. before they put it out. But in this one too, like just talking about effects, I think they rest- they restrained themselves again well. Like they were like, okay, we did some shit in Temple of Doom we probably shouldn't have that ended up looking uh, kind of garbage. But there's very little in Last Crusade for me that doesn't work in terms of effects. Yeah, there's a couple. There's one, the shot of the, of General, is it General Vol- Volgen? Yeah, the, the going down that. off the cliff. Yeah, when he falls off the cliff and you pretty much go down his mouth, I'm like, that's a little, it's yeah. a little fake looking. It's cool. <laughs> it's a cool effect, but it's way fake looking. So yeah. I can see why they went for it because that's actually a really cool shot if you can nail it. But yeah, I think 1989 wasn't quite, they weren't quite at the point where we were ready to nail a shot that intense yet. So, yeah. but that, uh, that tank sequence was a so lot good. of fun. A lot of so fucking good. fun. It goes on for, it's, I, I always forget how long that sequence is. Like that yeah. whole chase sequence where like, him getting like on the horses and then like chasing the tank and then Henry ending up in the tank and like yeah. him getting Henry out and, and fighting on the top and like everybody's on there and like blah blah blah. Like it goes on for like a solid twenty minutes. It's, yeah. And then Marcus it's a getting fucking done sequence too. Marcus getting punched off the back of the tank. Like, yeah. how does one awesome. get off how this? You, how do you get off this thing? Like, <laughs> boom. Yeah. Oh man. So good. Um, it's good. I, I just it. I felt I feel really bad for that night of the crusade though just fucking waiting there for centuries only to find out that he's not actually being relieved and then, and then dying and then they just like fucking die well i don't know they just but they fucking just come in and wreck his house yeah he gets the yeah, ice place gets fucking trapped i'm pissed <laughs> i'm like i mean for 700 years and yeah. this is what i get fuck this yeah fuck exactly this. i'm going back to france yeah. i'm going back to france i'm getting laid yeah Let's fuck this nonsense yeah instead of instead of raising his hand up at the end i'd be just fucking flipping him off like fucking flip with the bird but fuck you yeah absolutely it's gonna take me another 700 years to clean this shit up you assholes yeah yeah now i gotta go down that fucking crevice and find the fucking grail again yeah yep yeah like what happens what happens there what happens there does he have to go repelling like is that like his job now (laughs) i guess yeah he has to go down i don't know man That, that would suck to be him like I, I, if I were him, I'd be like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm going home. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to go home. I'm getting like six escorts and then I'm done. Now I'm just going to die because <laughs> I'm like 750 years old. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, he probably want to be on the bottom for that, but you know, <laughs> fair enough. Get, just there just you have go. his like pelvis just pel- pulverized into <laughs> oblivion. Pulver- like his bones Why just not? have to be like fucking like grass. Yeah. Like dust at that point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're going to go out, fair that's enough. the way to go out. Yeah. That's the way I want to go out. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. No. All right. I got, a, I got a lot of love for Last Crusade. I do, and I just, I just bitch about little things. Like it's just nitpicky stuff that takes it down that notch for me. Yeah. So. I guess so. It's always the one when I'm rewatching them. I'm like, okay, I've watched Raiders. I've got through Temple. All right, Last Crusade's good, and then I gotta, 
uh, that I got to suffer. So now let's suffer together, Tim. Mm. So 20 years after the last fucking Indiana Jones movie comes out, <laughs> somebody had the fucking awesome idea to do another one. And it was called Indiana Jones and uh, the Crystal Skull or something like that. I don't remember what it's actually The called. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's it. Yep. <sighs> I don't think I'd watched this movie since it was in theaters. I'm pretty sure this is the I first time that I've watched this movie. since, And I think I only watched it once in theaters. Yeah, actually, Paul and I went and saw it, and I remember like sitting there watching it next to him, just being like, "What the fuck's going on right now, Paul?" Like, I mean, I don't usually like to go into all that shit where like Star Wars fans go bitch about like my childhood being raped, but I I felt assaulted <laughs> after I watched that movie. So I'm I I don't have the like visceral hatred that a lot of people have for Kingdom of the Crystal Stall. Yes, it gets fucking goofy in places, but in places I would argue that. Overall, King of the Crystal Skull is no more goofy than Temple of Doom for the most part. Yeah. But yeah, that people, probably. you know, people complain a lot about like Indy surviving the nuclear blast in the fridge or whatever. But like, it's not, it's he's no a, more unrealistic. Yeah, exactly. It's no more unrealistic than a lot of the shit that happens in the other movies. I think a lot of the hate for it is that people just weren't viewing it through that like nostalgia lens that they're looking at these other like 15, 20 year old movies through. And so people were more nitpicky on it. And they, and also it's just like, I've been waiting 20 years for another Indiana Jones movie and this is what you fucking give me kind of thing. You give me a mid- you give me a middling one kind of thing. Yeah. I think my problem like my biggest problem too is like I'm such a big fan of like watching Harrison Ford play Indiana Jones that like seeing him look like he just didn't give a shit that he was there for like big chunks of the movie. I'm like this kind of sucks. Yeah. Like it's it's not it's not until Marion shows back up where you, like Harrison Ford seems to become reengaged with what's happening. Yeah. So that whole sequence where he's riding on the back of the bike like when he meets Mutt, which yeah, <sighs> fucking Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I don't um, hate Muff. I think Mutt is a. I, I'm not a big Shia LaBeouf fan. <laughs> we know you. Mutt. We know you don't hate Muff. Mutt. You, we know you hate Mutt. Shia, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I don't hate Shia LaBeouf slash Mutt. Well, we're getting sued for that. Yeah. So. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> I I think he's a decent foil to Indy. I'm not a huge like I said. I'm not a big Shia LaBeouf fan, but yeah, you didn't suffer through three Transformers movies like I. Did, I know. So I guess you probably don't have as much vitriol as I do. Yeah, we're gonna get you talking about fucking commentary. If we're gonna need oh, to do. God. We're gonna have to get you high as a goddamn kite to do those, <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely. gonna be fun. And and but when you get Indy, Marion, and Mutt together, their like back and forth is pretty like classic yeah. Indy. And I with yeah. your like you know. Com, uh, complaint that any or that Harrison Ford is just like disaffected for the first like half of the movie. I'm wondering like how much of that is on purpose. Like it's just he's he's older, you know. It's not the years, it's the mileage kind of thing. Like he has, yeah, it's possible. You know, he was trying to play it off as like I'm just too old for this shit kind of thing. But then as he gets back into the adventure, he's like, yeah, I remember how much I like this kind of thing. So yeah. I think it might be a bit of both. It never felt like he he had gone away from it though, because like he literally starts the movie in the middle of an adventure, yeah, yeah, like, with the true. with the Russians. So like that whole sequence, like after that, where he looks just like bored when he gets home and stuff. I'm like, ah, this sucks because he looks like he's having fun when they're in Area 51. Yeah, as he's like doing the chase and like all that kind of stuff. Like it looks like he's having a good time doing yeah. that. And then it's like we're gonna do the exposition scene in between the, this and then introducing Marion, reintroducing Marion, and it's like. I don't think he was super into that, and it kind of shows more so. And also, maybe he was just annoyed by Shia LaBeouf. That's entirely possible. <laughs> yes, also, absolutely. Maybe he was just like, "Who fucking hired this fucking kid?" <laughs> but I do like going back to that Area Fifty One. I I like that idea. That sequence, like, yeah, yeah, the fucking Russian shit is goofy, but 
but I like the idea of going back and exploring, you know, that crazy old warehouse from the under Raiders and the cameo of the arc and everything is like, that's good. Like little nostalgia beats. I honestly think like my, my main problem with the villains in this movie too, is like if they had done anybody, but Kate Blanchett, like just really fucking dig into that fake Russian accent, like playing it. It's too much. Yeah. It's just fucking way too much. Like and that's like, none of the other villains are ever that arch. Like that's my thing. Like maybe Molaram in one in some ways. None of like, the other main villains. Like you'd have like yeah, a secondary right. villain, like some of the like what Colonel Vogel or whatever that was definitely like pretty fucking arch. But it was never like the main guy. Like Belloc was you know a little more subdued and shit like that. Yeah. And so even Toad, like the all the Raiders guys are a little bit more like yeah. Toad's an, an over the top kind of like archetypal character in terms of like I'm that super villainous like secret service nazi kind of guy Mm -hmm. but he's not like chomping down into a fake accent like with a rapier for some reason in 1955 like it's just really fucking weird like really weird choices they made for that character that yeah having kate blanchett and like just subduing that performance a little bit and like maybe not adding so much weird yeah shit to it like so much barnacle of dog shit (laughs) to the character yeah like i would have been a better I don't think there's anybody that you could have with the way that character was written. I don't think there's anybody you could have cast in it that would have saved it. What I'm saying is they needed to rewrite yeah. the character. Like I don't mind having Kate Blanchett there. Cause like Kate Blanchett's fucking amazing. And she like, she made Thor Ragnarok amazing, like that much better. Right. Yeah. Just by being there. And like, she's awesome in the awesome, rings. Yeah. She's awesome great everything. And yeah. Yeah. So like her showing up, I should have been like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. But they arch it up so much. Like it's so campy, her performance yeah. that I'm like, this is more akin to something that I'm. Well, I would I would expect her to be a villain in the '66 Batman show, <laughs> not yeah a late Indiana Jones movie kind of thing. Yeah, and it's really a shame because besides her, they do deal with like sort of that Red Scare backdrop pretty well overall. Yeah, like that's the one scene at the beginning, like after the the bomb kind of thing, like that scene where he's getting interrogated yeah. is actually pretty cool. Yeah, and you get they do that, and you get some McCarthyism hint stuff. Yeah, really well done. You get some cool exposition in there in terms of like his military background in World War II and yeah, shit like yeah. that, which is great. I love that they incorporated that. That you know yep. he'd been fighting Nazis fucking all the way through the 30s, and then when he really got the chance to, he enlisted as well. And yeah, well, it makes sense. I would like if you, after the after Raiders and then after Last Crusade, you know, he's been in the middle. If I was military intelligence, I'd be like, hey, maybe we should hire that guy to just kind of like, yeah, be around yeah, and like take care of shit. If that's going to happen, they're going to keep doing that kind of stuff. Maybe keep the guy who stopped them twice, you know, on our payroll. So, yeah, if it happens again, we can, you know, send him out there to do it. Yeah. So I like I like that that bit, like having him be like a government agent and like or maybe even not even like a government agent, but just being like a Con- consultant or whatever, like a consultant yeah. kind of thing like that worked really well for me. Like that part of it worked really nicely for me. It's just the monkeys just. Why? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you could really tell that some of the effects and shit that they were doing was like just because they could not because, mm-hmm. you know because they could get away with it with CGI, not because it was in service of the story in any way, shape or form. Yeah, like what I call the star Wars prequel method of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely that's the big thing with crystal skull is it feels like the prequel version of an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's like, it looks really nice because it is very like, it's visually very polished and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's well shot, well edited mediocrely acted and not very well written kind yeah, of thing. Like exactly. there's very big problems with the performance and the script. It's not the technical aspects of the movie that suffer. Yeah. It's just like, we have all this awesome CGI. Let's see how we can use it as opposed to like, could we have this cool scene? How can we CGI it? Which is mm-hmm. probably the, 
proper method of doing it? Like, how, how do we work the effect for that? Yeah, the fucking, the bullshit with the giant ants and the fucking monkeys and, like, that, it just amazed me how bored I am during that rainforest chase scene compared to, like, scenes that would have cost so much less and were done primarily with practical effects in the earlier movies. Like, you know, the, right. like that, that truck chase scene truck in, in Raiders, Raiders and yeah. shit like that and the motorcycle chase scene in Last Crusade and shit like that yep. and the tank scene is all, like, so much more captivating, so much more compelling mm-hmm. than like this huge fucking CGI fucking circle jerk. And then the big pratfall, like they play it like a joke where they're falling down the fucking waterfalls over and over again. Like yeah. it's not you do it once and it's terrifying. It's like we're gonna do it once, and then it's a big joke that we're gonna do it four more times. Like, wow, <laughs> fuck me, guys. Like just can we just get them to the goddamn aliens already? Like I need this movie to end. It's already an hour and forty five fucking minutes into this movie. Like what is happening? Here? Yeah. It's a long movie too. So. Yeah. Well, it's not longer. I think Last Crusade is the longest of the four. Fucking is Crystal it? Skull just feels like the longest. Yeah, Last Crusade's like two, okay, uh, two hours twenty. Indian uh, Crystal Skull is like two, like two o two or something like that. God, it feels eternal. It does. It feels much fucking longer. But yeah, like you were talking about the aliens. Like that's the fucking thing that just does not work for me. That whole not only aliens, but goddamn interdimensional aliens and we find this out in the last 10 minutes of the movie that not are not only are they fucking little green men but they're little green men from a different dimension yeah it's very strange it's just so outside the wheelhouse of these movies in general like if they'd stuck to just the like mayan el dorado side of things i would have been okay with it probably or a lot more okay with it anyways like the little like mayan ninja dudes in the graveyard like that was fucking cool. Like where they're all scrambling around, like through the holes and yeah, it was like, cool. The first time is the fact that they fucking went back to it, brought back again to it. later. And I was like, Oh shit again with this thing. And that's a long sequence too. When they finally do get to the, the mm-hmm. city and then they have a big chase sequence with those guys, like an infinite number of those guys just living in these ruins for some reason. It makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. And then they chase them around for 20 fucking minutes again. I'm like, Oh my God, come on guys. We did this once already. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's done here. Yeah. That being said, when they actually get to the temple, like the temple itself is pretty fucking cool. Like you yeah, get like, more of those like classic like indie puzzles and booby traps and kind of thing. And yeah, like him figuring out how to open the door and stuff like that. Like that yeah. was cool. And, like, and that looked practical and looked like yeah, a but, really cool practical effect was that door. And also, I, I don't think this part was practical, but getting into the temple itself, like having to smash the stones and get this oh, yeah, yeah, sand yeah. releasing and the pillar all coming together and going down into it that was really cool yeah that looked really it looked good anyway at the very least and it felt like an indian see but the only thing is like it feels more that felt more like a like an uncharted puzzle to me at that point mm-hmm. like it felt more like a video game puzzle than like a movie thing yeah 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 so yeah true which is probably just like they made this movie in 20 what is it when was it 2014 or 2015 uh no this what fucking crystal skull 2008 yeah. 2008 10 year old well, that's not aged well. Sorry, this is like this is a horror <laughs> that I've been living with in my heart for a decade, and still feels like it just happened to me. You know what I mean? It so. still made four times its fucking box or budget. oh, dude, it made a ton of money. Hey, man, I saw it in theaters. Like, I went out opening weekend and saw yeah, it. I did like, too. I was super hyped to see a new Indiana Jones movie. It just didn't. Yeah. And it's not. Me. It's not the sort of thing. Like, if I was sitting down saying, like, yeah, I'm gonna have an Indiana Jones marathon. It's not like I'm just gonna skip Crystal Skull. I'll still watch yeah. it. Because I yeah. still like to see where that character ends up, and I'd like I'd like the old man Indy idea. Like yeah. you said, I love getting to see Indy and Marion together again. Like those scenes are great. I love him swiping but, his hat back at the end after getting married to Marion. Yes, like that. Like he goes to put it on, and he's like, "No, fuck you, shield above. You don't get to touch the goddamn." Hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I love that. Fuck you get that little. Above. He's like, "Oh, maybe he's gonna do it." No, he's fuck still that. Indy. Yeah, Indy's still yeah. Indy. Fuck, I could not. I can't stand. 
the Mac character, just like fucking flip flopping oh, yeah, back yeah. and forth. Like that's just it just became obnoxious by the end. All the villains in this movie anything. suck though. Like n- like none of them are good. Like I, like they have Kate Blanchett and they fucked it up. I was like, this is what's happening yeah. here. At least like the lead Russian guy. Which one? Is like that? the dragon kind of guy, like the guy who you thought was the main Russian guy at the beginning of the oh, movie yeah, until yeah. they introduce yeah. whatever her fucking name is. I can't remember her name. Oh, Kate Blanchett's character, yeah. uh, Spalko. Spalko, that's it. Colonel Doctor Spalko. Yeah. So, but like her dragon guy, like her second in command, I'm like, oh, he's intimidating looking. Like he, they could have made him a decent villain if they'd actually, you know, yeah, let him talk. Dovchenko. Yeah. Colonel Antonin Dovchenko. Like they could have done something cool with like a real like mean ass Russian guy as opposed to making it like weird like Jose Chung in outer space Russian psychic lady. Like that was a little <laughs> wobbly for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. The whole fucking alien bench just was really weird. Very strange. John Hurt was good for what they gave him. Yeah, gave him nothing though. Like, <laughs> give him, I mean, give him fucking anything. You can always count on John Hurt to at least like show up and do a good job with oh, yeah. whatever he's given. John Hurt's awesome though. Like John Hurt's always was always awesome. He just passed away yeah. not too long ago. Uh, yeah, within the last couple of years. Last couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, he always, but he always showed up. He always showed up. Did yeah. a good job. I liked him in that. And it did ha- still have some good gags. Like the one that all that I'll. I always gets a chuckle out of me is Mutt saying, you're a teacher, and Indy saying, part-time. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I do like, the, there's a good bit, like, the only part of the opening, well, not the opening sequence, but, like, the sequence while they're in town, where, like, he, they introduce the Mutt character, is when he, like, yeah. they're leaving because the two Russian guys have come over to them. And so, oh, like, and he starts, starts the fight between the well, greasers like, and the press he's like, or whatever. He's like, hey, punch this guy, and, like, Mutt kind of looks yeah. at him, and he's like, do it, and so he just fucking hauls off and starts <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. such an indie thing to do. Like, <laughs> he's going to punch this fucking guy in the face. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Just trust me. We're going to do just it. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, Shut absolutely. up. Shut up, Sheila Buff. Do what fucking Indiana Jones tells you. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are we are approaching that magic time. So let's uh, All right. blast through the last little bit. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Just the ancillary stuff. So there are, I mean, this is such an iconic franchise. We could probably go on for a while just talking about the other stuff that inspired. But my favorites, two LucasArts games, uh, adventure games, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is fun. It very, very closely follows the movie. So you don't get much outside of that. But the next one, which a lot of people think of as kind of like Indiana Jones 4, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is a fucking stellar game. Actually, that's one I've played. Great game. Yeah. So. It is so much fun, way before its time, full voice cast. I mean, the animation is still pretty dated, but for what it is, it's still pretty fun. And it, one of the really cool dynamics of it is it has a point in the game where you basically get to choose how you want to play the next like third of the game, basically, yeah. whether you want to do it's the different methods are wits, fist or team. So you can either team up with this uh, love interest character. You can basically choose to fight your way through everything, or you can choose a, a method that's like more like puzzles and like, you know, just figuring out or, or like more like dialogue puzzles yeah. and that sort of thing. Like, so yeah, if you've never played those games, I would definitely recommend fate of Atlantis in particular. It's so much fun. We talked about this game when we did favorite video games at one point, and I went yeah, back I and played it. I'd never played it up to that point. It's available on Steam now. You can just go grab it. Yeah. I did what, go and play it. I played it twice now because it's not a particularly long game either. Like You can kind of blast through it. In, like, in an afternoon like or something. Afternoon. Yeah. So I've gone back yeah. and played it twice now where I played through it as with fists. It's actually pretty challenging combat, which is interesting. Yeah. The combat doesn't play very well as part of the problem. But no, it's all fucking yeah weird keyboard combat keyboard combat and shit number, number pad combat yeah it sucks <laughs> um and then i played through it with the the puzzle stuff that feels more like an indiana jones game to me if it, it like yeah. it's it's well put together that way i should go back and do the team one but like 
I don't like relying on NPCs for anything in video games. And this is in 2018, not in 1992 when this game yeah. came out or whatever. But it's the the team is very much like it's it's still puzzles. It's just puzzles that you have to figure out with the help of somebody else, kind of thing. No, no fun. I don't like that. Unless, like, <laughs> the person who I'm solving the puzzle with sitting on the couch next to me. And then it's going to be a fight. Like who gets to play as Indian? Who gets to play as like the love interest that nobody knows about? That would suck. Yeah. So no. Yeah. I will do it eventually. I'm sure. I just one of those things. But yeah, it is available on Steam, and you should definitely go out. I went out and played yeah. the fucking NES uh, Last Crusade game this week, like on an emulator, just because I was thinking about it, and like I'd played it when I was a kid. Does not hold up. Does no. not hold up. And there were later LucasArts games too that were like in 3D, like more like basically. Tomb Raider came out and yeah. people were like, hey, look, this fucking Tomb Raider character. I think the Infernal Machine was was one of those. Yeah, the Infernal Machine and the Emperor's Tomb yeah. were the two uh, big ones and neither of them are great. I played through both of them. There's an, a 16-bit one that plays like the old Star Wars uh, Super Nintendo games a little bit. Like it's, it's built on that engine anyway. That's kind of fun in like a 60s running gun kind of pastiche There's way. In, is it Indiana Jones Greatest Adventures? Yeah. Uh, on S- SNES? Yeah. That's the one, yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not great, but it's fun Like as a, as a curiosity. It's there. And then the... What was the other one? Oh, the Lego Indiana Jones games are actually fucking yes. really well done. Like, super well yeah. done. Uh, I, I think I've only them. played the first one of I think those, but only I the really one. enjoyed it. I think there might be another one that came out fairly recently, actually. Oh, I think there was another Maybe. one that was released that was just Crystal Skull focused, and the okay. other one does the other three movies. Like the original one is the one you want because it goes through kind of the plot of Raiders and like of the first three movies. Uh, yeah, Last Crusade. So there's that. Yeah, no, those are a lot of fun. I mean, they're they're kid safe sort of versions too. Yeah. So it's a good way to introduce your kids maybe to uh, to the Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, we're, uh, don't let we're them watch that. Stepping on like, geeks with kids' toes now. Don't don't let them watch that when they're like four, like I think I did. Because <laughs> yeah, then you turn out like me, which it'll fuck them up. <laughs> it's debatable, you know, if that's a good thing or not. And the uh, the other one for me is I just want to give a quick shout out to the uh, the Disney Parks incorporations of the Indiana Jones stuff. So because I'm a big fucking Disney Parks yeah. nerd, so at Hollywood Studios and Disney World, they've got an Indiana Jones stunt show that goes through a lot of those like classic stunt scenes, mostly from Raiders. Uh, like you get to go through that that airfield scene through like that whatever it is like moroccan market kind of scene or whatever it's a lot of fun and like the boulder rolling down and shit disneyland has a whole well disneyland and disneyland paris both have whole ride that's indiana jones and the temple forbidden eye is what it is at disneyland and you get into like this big sort of jeep vehicle and follow indy on an adventure through a temple kind of thing which is a really fun ride as well and then at Disney World and Disney Springs, like their little sort of uh, entertainment and shopping district, just a couple of years ago now, they introduced a Indiana Jones themed bar, which is Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar. Nice. So you can go in there and yeah, there's all sorts of like little mementos and stuff like that from Indiana's adventures. So Jock Lindsay is the pilot in yeah. Raiders yeah. Um, where he goes in and is like, uh, there's a snake in the plane, yeah. Jock. Well, it's like, Jock, start the plane. Yeah. What does he say um, to him too? Well, he says oh, something back. He's like, "There's a snake. I hate oh, grow snakes. a backbone like, or something a backbone. like that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. But yeah, they have like themed drinks. Like you can get a povito mojito oh, awesome. at Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar, and oh. it's it's one of the best bars on uh, Disney property. So you really have to like go to one of these Disney things just to see the nerd shit that's on them. Like I don't care about the rides so much. It's just like, oh, they have an Indiana Jones bar. And there's like a Star yeah. Wars land to just wander around in and stuff like that. Like that's basically what I want out of an amusement park. Like I can't go 
yeah. on a ride without fucking my back up like six different ways from Sunday. <laughs> but I can go yeah. and like look at like the Avengers stuff and be like, ooh, that's cool. Like that kind of stuff interests me, but yeah. not enough that I want to pay two hundred dollars to get into a theme park. You know what I mean? So yeah. But I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the various other properties. There's tons of fucking books and well, there's the that Young Indian Jones, Jones Chronicles. Indian Jones like, I wanted to shout it out. I watched that growing up. It was it was fun for what it was. It was never like a hundred. It's never one of the movies or anything like that. But there's some cool stuff. And like you get a lot of the backstory of like what he did kind of growing up. And like they kind of hint at what happened to him like post-war that you get more information on in like Crystal Skull and stuff like that for better mm-hmm. or worse. I have one last question that we're or like one kind of set of questions that we're going to end on. So okay. are you at all anticipating the fifth movie if it happens? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, if, if it follows formula, the fucking odd Indiana Jones movies are it, yeah. Mark and I were joking before we started. These movies seem to follow the inverse Star Trek rule yeah. where the Star Trek movies, like all the uh, even number ones were good and all the odd number ones are. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with Indiana Jones, all the odd numbered ones so far, one and three were pretty strong, two yeah. and four a little weaker. So yeah. if that holds true to form, then maybe five will be a return to form. We'll get them fighting fucking Nazis again and or whatever Nazis, I guess, in the, this point, he's got to be in like the 1960s. So I mean, secret Nazis, you can just go Hellboy style. Yeah. Just go secret yeah. Nazis. So, like, I'm totally in for that. Like, like that's, white, white supremacists or something like that. That'd be fun. I just got to get those swastikas in there, man. Like, yeah. I don't mean I don't want a fighting robo Hitler like I don't need Wolfenstein or anything like that. But like, <laughs> you know, or maybe, maybe like the KKK or some shit. That'd be fun. Yeah. Watch indie fucking. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Either I, way, I'm in there. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm there for it. Yeah. Fair. Um, and the, the other thing is, would you ever watch an indie movie where Harrison Ford's not playing Indiana Jones? Like, would you be cool with that? Replacing Harrison so, Ford. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of, I mean, not fucking Shia LaBeouf, I don't think. And I think they did a pretty good job. I'm fucking boycotting. Yeah. I think they did a pretty good job of giving Mutt his own character without just making him like a mini indie clone kind of thing. Yeah. And now Shia LaBeouf's blown up his fucking career, so I don't think it really matters one way or the other. So. But there, there has been a lot of discussion about Chris Pratt as a possible replacement for Indiana Jones, and I think he could do it. I didn't talk about, I watched the second Jurassic World last night. Oh, it is how was the it? Worst fucking. Movie I've seen. Is it worse than Jurassic Park three? Yes. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> wow. Bad. That it's takes some doing. Terrible. Like it is <laughs> fucking bad. I got about halfway I through. I got about halfway through. I was high as a kite too, which means I should enjoy everything. Like I should have just <laughs> been like in. I was like halfway through it, and I'm like, I'm gonna go smoke another joint before I watch the rest. Of it. <laughs> it's the only way I can make it through, and I barely got through it. Like I, I barely. It almost put me to sleep in the second half. So, <laughs> not great. So I was like, no, I'm not. Kind of like Chris Pratt. I don't think he's gonna pull off indie for me. You know what I mean? It's not working well, for me. I don't me. think that's necessarily Chris Pratt. I think that was just a garbage script from what it's I saw from the trailer and it's stuff. Possible. But it's entirely possible he could pull it off. I just don't. I don't think he's got the edge to him that Harrison Ford had you yeah. know what i mean like there, you need to have a little bit of like shitty like i always thought and it's funny because we were talking about him in regards to uncharted but like nathan fillion would have been a good replacement for indy at some point because yeah. he's got that like shitty edge to him like the mal character had that like i'm not necessarily a great guy all the time kind of yeah i'm out for myself a lot of the time yeah and like that kind of I'm stuff. Put in, but if i'm put on the spot i'll make the right choice kind of thing and actually you know what right now he'd probably be a pretty good fucking age to play like a just post-war indie if they wanted to go that way yeah, like a like late forties kind of indie. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be like the right thing. Anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it for this week. That's pretty awesome. So there you go. We kind of talked about Indiana Jones for an hour. I think 
We did <laughs> a good hour and a half, I think. A good hour and a half. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's get into recommendations and then we can get the fuck out of here. Geek cred. Yeah, man. So, Sam, what's your recommendation for this week? So, really, I would, if I had to pick something related to our episode, I would be go fucking play Fate of Atlantis. Oh, see, I'd just be like, go fucking watch the indie movies again. Cause but why the fuck not? I've been watching season six of Orange is the New Black, which kind of released pretty quietly, considering like a few years ago, like how fucking yeah. big Orange is the New Black was. And it's been really solid. I mean, I think the series is starting to wind down a bit, but it, this season has still been really good. They're doing a lot of cool things and they're actually all the characters are in like like Max now. So it's, you know, they're being exposed to characters that are really dangerous fucking, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, much more dangerous and shit like that. So I, I've been I've been enjoying it. So if you're if you sort of were waffling on, well, am I going to keep watching Origins of the New Black? I mean, really, if you have Netflix, you're already fucking paying for Netflix, so you yeah. might as well. I've never um, actually yeah. sat down and watched any of Origins of the New Black. I meant to, like, when it first started. And I was, now I was like, I was looking at it recently and being like, eh, five seasons, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. I can barely it's an easy watch, though. You don't have to pay really, yeah, you don't have to pay really close attention to it. It's a pretty easy watch, and it's really, it's not, you know, I, I kind of want to say it's Oz, but it's so much lighter than Oz, yeah, Oz kind of thing. Oppressive. Yeah. I wouldn't watch something. Like, I would never watch Oz again. I think we've talked about that. Like it has its Oz moments, but they're peppered very much between like just really great character moments and, and people sort of that are just real life people dealing with being put in this really fucked up situation and set of circumstances. So yes, go watch orange and the new black season six. Nice. <laughs> um, my real recommendation though is like go watch the fucking indie movies, man. Like if it's been a while, or you've never seen them. Like you're like Christy. It had been a while for me. Like go fucking sit through, <laughs> especially Raiders. Like just go sit through like the masterpiece that is Raiders, and then see how you're feeling after that. Because you probably want to keep going. Because I did. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, go watch it, Raiders of the Lost Star. It's on Netflix right now. So indeed, go crazy. All right, let's uh, let's get the fuck out of here. So thank you everybody for listening. I've been Mark. I, I don't know why I say I have been. I am Mark. And I've been, I'm still Tim. And I'm still here with Tim. So say goodnight, <laughs> Tim, or whatever. We're doing yeah, good afternoon, afternoon today. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> don't like it. Thanks for listening, folks. Yep. Go see some indie. Yeah. Not the years, honey. It's the mileage. There's no good, like, <laughs> yeah. walk away kind of line for him either. You know what I mean? He doesn't have, like, a... Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? snakes. Absolutely. All right. So... <laughs> You can reach us if you want to tell us what your Indiana Jones story is or what you think about these movies. Uh, you can do so via Twitter at DRD underscore podcast or by Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dance Robot Dance Podcast, where we've been getting a lot of commentary the last couple weeks and we've been really enjoying it. So, man, I feel bad because I've been so busy. I haven't really had a chance to engage. So thanks for the people that have been engaging. Similarly, I think they're basically entertaining themselves right now because like I've been yeah. swamped with shit, too. So it's been kind of hard to get into uh go yeah. on facebook and chat mode and it's been great to see people like taking some of our comic book recommendations and shit too and like yeah uh, awesome. matt, matt was saying he's gonna check out superman batman generation so i look forward to seeing what he thinks of that yep should be fun if you want to message us privately you can email us dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com you can suggest topics and stuff that we, if we haven't thought of them we have a master list that we are slowly but surely piling through and then adding shit to as we go along. still adding shit to yeah we've got no uh, dearth of topics going forward folks so we will be continuing to do this ad nauseum for your listening pleasure <laughs> in perpetuity yep if you haven't already please subscribe at apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher or however you get your podcasts again i'm mark i've been here with tim 
This has been Dance Robot Dance. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us this week. We hope you have a good one. What do you think? Kalima. Kalima. <laughs> I, wish I, could, I wish I knew his part, like the guy's part. What does he say? It's the... It's the there it is. There it is. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, Have everybody. everybody.